Hey y'all, this is Daniel Kyrie. I play Darren Ritter on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. This thing makes the entire family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hearts, welcome to episode 214 of Meet Us at Molly's. This week we're going over this week's episodes 715, 1015, and 915. Yeah, so uh, I am back as you can hear, obviously. Brenda, thank you for holding the fort down with Rachel last week. I felt so bad for like air quotes, like calling out, but thank you guys so much. I really appreciate that. Nope, no problem. Anytime. Um, Rachel crushed it, by the way. I was just like, wait a second. Like, I think Rachel is better at this than I am. No, Rachel was great. Rachel was, I mean, obviously like we're friends with Rachel outside of it. Mm -hmm. So like, it was just like, it felt like a, just like catching up with her, but like also B it's fun because she obviously like you guys heard last week, like she just, you know, watched the show. So like, it's fun getting to see like her perspective on things and how, you know, like, it's just, it's fun. It's cool. It's fun. It was awesome. It's definitely fun. So I was in Los Angeles last weekend, just on a quick like trip for fun. We did the Warner Brothers tour, which this was my second time. This was my fiance's first time. Uh, but at the beginning of the tour, they always ask, they're like, so what are some of your favorite shows? And so they go around, they ask, and there was like a group from Montreal and they were like, oh, we love Big Bang Theory, whatever. And people pretty much mention all the shows that film at Warner Brothers. Well, I've got to be honest, right? So I'm like, yeah, I love the Chicago shows, but I watch pretty much everything else too and both times i've been on the tour every single tour guide is like well the chicago shows don't shoot here and i'm like i know i know (laughs) i know that i know but thank you for letting me know (laughs) it's like you think i don't know that yeah who do you think i am (laughs) I'm, i'm i'm pretty sure they're not making the wb lot look like chicago but thanks for telling me funny funny but yeah no um my fiance and his friend they enjoyed it but they're not as big tv fans as i am so of course i'm the one who's like losing my mind even though i've been on this tour before i'm like this is this location and that's that location this is amazing and he's just like cool i'm like cool are you kidding me right now like yeah you definitely went with the wrong crowd who didn't appreciate it they wanted to do it and i was like i've done it before but i am always down to like visit stars hollow again so yeah. Not complaining. Not complaining. Although they did have a whole exhibit there for DC. And I was just kind of like, fine. I have to. Ugh. But whatever. Not Marvel. It's okay. But yes, I am back. So um, I digress already. So we're off to a great start. Okay. So we always start with the news. We don't have any news this week. There's no episode descriptions as of yet. Nothing. There's promo photos that are like hot off the press, but that's about it. Yeah, there's nothing even really that telling in that. Well, there's no Stevie still in the Dude, med ones. What the hell? Um, there's no Stevie. There's a bunch of Seeger ones from Fire. There's only even one Hawkins one. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, um. there's like nothing. There's nothing good in, in these promo photos, and there's no PD ones yet. Of course, obviously. Given how much of that fire promo was Hawkins, like you would think there would be some promo photos to like correspond with that. Nope. 
Well, no, but of course, fire, they're always like one call, right? Like fire's promo photos always seem to be one call that's not actually that important mm-hmm. because it's like they can get cool action photos from it. So like they're from one call. Like I said, there's some actually, I no, I, there's still one. But like I said, there's a bunch of Seeger and I'm like, oh, more Seeger, great. Okay, I'm looking through these now because I haven't had the chance to scroll through them. Okay, yeah, Seeger and Sev. <laughs> um... A bunch of one that are them on a call. Yeah, like what the hell? Here's Seb with the little kid. Okay, well, that's going to be good. Uh, There's one from that Gallo Hawkins turnout room scene. There's one of Mouch and uh, Herman Herman and and Ritter. Ritter. Oh, yeah, yeah. this is the cruise episode coming up, right? Yes, this is the cruises episode next week. Finally. I feel like we haven't had a cruise episode since... Baby Otis was born. Oh, baby Otis. Yes. Now let's look at Med because I know Med is up and PD is not. Okay. So Sarah Rafferty, that's fine. Goodwin, more Sarah Rafferty. And I mean, I get it. Sarah Rafferty's a queen. Archer, because we hate that guy. Okay. So why are all the Med photos like the Med photos are literally, it's just Crockett and Dr. Blake and Archer just smiling in different angles. Why? Goodwin. Yeah. Oh, here's Dr. Scott. Okay. And and now Crockett is looking off in a different angle, but now Crockett's giving him an eye at a different angle. I just, I, yeah, I, I don't know. But anyways, and of course, like I said, no Stevie. So yeah, dude, what the hell are we doing? We'll get there, but yeah. What the hell are we doing? Or there's we won't get there because there's nothing to talk about. I know. Yeah. And then oh like gosh. I said, no PD. So dude, there's a lot for 716. Yeah, that's the news. That's the news. Yeah. That's the news. So, yeah. Um, no patron shoutouts this week. That's okay. Uh, if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials. And you can pick which tier is right for you, she says, as she zooms in on this promo photo of Will and some random girl. Um, yeah, we don't know that person, do we? No. Also, I really hope that with $1.2 million, like, Will can get better than that if he's shopping around for real estate. Or maybe he's visiting a patient because he apparently does house calls now. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Let me refocus now. Yes, check the link in our socials and you can figure out which tier is best for you. We've got tons of fun perks, lots of fun stuff. Our little community on Facebook, it's not little anymore. And I know we say that every week, but that's because it's literally not little anymore. There's 80 people in our group and we're just a big family, big old family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get the chance to check it out. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Say what you're gonna say. No, I was just gonna say I didn't. I didn't get the chance to check it out this week, but apparently there's a there's a like a one Chicago like live chat that has happened now. I don't know if it's just our patrons or if it's patrons and other shyhards. No, but... I think it's just our patrons started like a Facebook message or you know group chat, which is I cool. love it. I love it. What were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say I think we're getting ready. It's unconfirmed yet, but like I think we're getting ready to head into a hiatus, which means I think we'll do probably another bonus episode too. So maybe a live something hangout or I don't know we'll have to figure it out but now's the time to join the patron group if you want to absolutely absolutely yeah so check it out let us know if you have any questions yeah there's a lot of cool stuff there so all right time to get into the episode shall we let's do it
All right. Starting off with Med, as always. Okay. Will had the first scene, so he's the first one up. <laughs> so Vasic settled with the feds. Wow. It just feels like an anticlimactic ending for how long this was a thing. So Shentu mentions that there might be some state and federal, or not federal, but there might be some like state charges for them, like criminal wise. But in terms of the whole issue with the feds, they were like, kickbacks? Nah, we're cool. Yeah. Like I said, it just felt like, they're like, oh yeah, we settled. This is it. And I'm like, I mean, granted, I didn't need it drawn out for like all 22 episodes. Like I didn't need it to be a whole season long arc, but like we spent so much time on Basic for the first nine, 10 episodes. And I'm like, oh wait, they settled? Like, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah. This is one of those situations where them going to trial and dragging it out would have been way more satisfying. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know, like, for all the hype and all the secrecy and all the this and the whistleblowing and how it all went down at the midseason, like, I don't know, just something about them settling just felt like, wah, wah, like, I don't know. It's disappointing, right? Yeah, and again, not that I necessarily needed to see um, Cooper or Jessa, like, any of those people, like, I think it would have just been more satisfying, like, they got taken away in handcuffs in the midseason finale, and then, like, we haven't seen really or heard of them since. Well, Cooper kind of a little bit, but like, I don't know. I just felt like there could have been more, you know, like, and it just kind of was like, okay, well they settled and now they get money and it's like, oh, okay. And that's great for them, but that's not the outcome they were looking for. Right. I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I want to know the terms of the settlement, but that's because I'm a big giant nerd. Well, yeah. Says the former lawyer. <laughs> well, but, like, does Vasic just keep going on, like, doing their Vasic thing? Do they still get to scam people like that and get kickbacks? And, like, I don't know. Well, my guess is that, like, I mean, granted, I'm sure Vasic is, like, obviously a multi, multi-million dollar company. But, like, if Will and Goodwin getting $1.2 million each is just a tiny percentage of what the settlement was, mm-hmm. then, like, I'm sure they've gone bankrupt. I can't imagine, like that they haven't gone bankrupt at this point, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Or they're getting ready to go bankrupt. Like, I don't know. I just feel like if Will and Goodwin getting 1.2 million each was like a tiny percentage of the settlement, then like, damn. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's no small amount either. Shentu basically lays it out. Goodwin and Will are each receiving 1.2 million. That's no small amount. Right. But yet it's a percentage of the settlement. It's not, you know, like, it's not like they split it 50-50 or whatever. No, it is a percentage of the settlement. Um, Will's a millionaire. Just let that sink in. Let that sink in for a second. I know. Wow. I thought about that. That was like one of my first thoughts was like, oh, I wonder what Will does with his million dollars now. Um, started from the bottom, now we hear is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm always going to defend my boy, so I don't care. I'm happy for him. Whatever. So um, Goodwin is gifting hers in its entirety. She's gifting all 1.2 million to Gaffney's Charitable Foundation. Just doesn't need it, gifting it. I mean, okay, from like a nerd perspective, like she's going to get a tax deduction for it, but like, is it really, is it worth it to give the whole 1.2? Jeez. I don't know. I'm sure it's part perception thing too, right? Like for her. Like yeah. she does, you know, like I don't know. 
Yeah, so um, Goodwin's gifting hers and Shentu and Attorney Guy, they're trying their hardest to get, like they're pressuring Will into gifting his. And they're just pouring on the pressure and pouring on the pressure. And even before you can be like, dude, leave him alone, Will says, okay. Man, man. Okay, but meanwhile, while all this is happening, you brought up a great point last night that I did not even think of that in seeing Dr. Shentu, you're like, wait, hold the phone. Tell, go talk more. Tell us what. Okay. Yeah. So we were on a FaceTime like watch session with the one Chicago pod squad. So ladies night and locker room girls. And it, it wasn't even at this point yet, but we were like halfway through the episode and I was, we were talking about the episode and whatever. And I was like, why haven't we heard about Dr. Shintu's date with Vanessa? Like they've literally just like went, they didn't bring that up at all. Like it didn't even happen. How was the concert? I want to know. I want to know. Like, honestly, I wouldn't say I ship it. Cause I, I definitely, I don't ship it, but like, I'm very intrigued by that whole, you know, that was so out of left field last week, but I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. The more I think about it, like I didn't hate it. So I'm like, I just want to know. Yeah, I'm in that same stage where I'm like, tell me more, go on, then maybe I'll be interested. That's where I'm at. Yeah, well, and like, it's not like she just had made a comment about like going to a concert with him or whatever. Like we got to see her ask him to go and him agree to go. So like, you can't just give us that and not give us any follow-up. Did not even cross my mind until you said it. No, that because that's like the, what I think about I don't know that's like what I'm interested in right now on med because some of these other storylines I'm not caring about as much it's a little chaotic on med right now isn't it yeah a little bit uh yeah yeah so Will gets pressured into this and all I'm thinking when they're like hey you're getting 1.2 million I'm like Will pay back your student loans cheese like he's in so much debt. I'm like, at least take a portion of it. Don't just like fork it all over. Don't get pressured into that. Like, come on. Yeah. Poor guy. Oof. So, uh, and then I also put in the outline cause I'm pathetic. Just a little side note, that blue shirt. He looks great. Looks I great. mean, it's one Chicago. He's got to wear the plaid. I mean, cool with me. <laughs> Fine with me. So then Will is just like doctoring, doing his thing. And he comes across this woman in one of the rooms and she's got diverticulitis. Doesn't sound good. I don't know what it is. It's just a fancy word. But it's the week before her wedding and Archer, Archer's her doctor. And she has, he's basically like surgery is the only way to go. Like you're going to have surgery the week before your wedding. You're going to have an ostomy bag and you're just going to have to deal with it. So Will's instinct is of course to go to Archer and intervene as any rational doctor does. No. Yeah, I feel like he was very, like, I get it, right? Like if Will thinks there's maybe a chance that she shouldn't be, like surgery isn't the only option, like, okay, I get it. But like, I feel like he was very passionate about making sure this random woman who he's never met before, like, got another option than surgery. Like I felt like he was just very, very passionate about it. Yeah. Cause the whole gist of it was that she was being forced into something she wasn't comfortable with. Right. I, right. I get it. It was reflecting his, you know, personal, whatever, you know, was going on in his life, but it was but just also like, like, if Dr. Archer is telling me that I've got to have an ostomy bag the week before my wedding and it's the week before, and I'm still getting acclimated to the damn thing. And I'm expected to wear a perfectly pretty white dress, probably going to stress out too. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, I get it. I get where she's coming from or whatever. It was just, will, if you take, if you don't think about the fact that it's like supposed to reflect Will's, like what's going on in Will's personal life, it's like, whoa, Will is going very hard for this random woman he has no connection with and is not even his patient. And like, what are you doing, Will? <laughs> he, he really butt into this one like hard. <laughs> and not the headbutt that we got later on. <laughs> so weird so (laughs) weird yeah not the actual headbutt that we got later on so here's the deal I mean you know like 99.9% of the time we hate Archer like I mean I feel pretty safe saying we right you you're not crazy about him either he delivers some burns in this episode that are actually really funny I will say as much as I hate Archer Steven Weber's like comedic timing with all of his like sassy remarks and whatever is so good like I hate Archer and I hate the things that come out of his mouth but the way Stephen Weber always delivers them it's always so good yeah yeah a like, lot I of love these to birds. hate it I love to hate it a lot of these things that he said I'd be like hey you at- oh that was actually pretty funny I would like catch myself and be like oh touche that was good uh, yeah so the first one comes up when Will goes to stick his nose in it at first and Will's like, hey, got a second? And Archer goes, yeah, sure. I heard that's all it takes to swindle you out of a million bucks. But I'm not very nice, but also true. Also funny. Also, also funny. funny. Yeah. So Will doesn't want her to be pressured with the situation she's uncomfortable with. And that's why they start going at it like immediately. Archer's like, that's my patient. Will's like, I don't really care. Like, and so Goodwin is immediately like, boys, stop fighting. And pretty much like all of the goodwill that Will has like curried with her in the past like half of the season is pretty much gone. Cause Goodwin's like, would you stay in your lane, damn it? I've never seen a relationship a, a platonic relationship do a 180 as fast as it, it did in this episode it was like what the fuck like what did we that was not what we've been building up to all season but okay we've now switched completely will worked so hard in the first half for goodwin's approval and just like that she was like it's over now i hate you again <laughs> pretty much pretty much poor guy poor guy so what does will do he wills it he does a will thing he goes behind Archer's back, goes to the patient, and tells her what procedure to ask for instead. Yeah, yeah just will things. We've got just severide things, just will things. Again, we haven't had any real will things this season until now. Like, I can't... Will's been on his pretty much like good behavior up until this point. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, Will, why? Why? But like, also, he's got a point this time. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between, like, he said his point. He made his point to Archer. It is Archer's patient. Archer, ultim- again, I can't believe I'm about to defend Archer here. But, like, <laughs> but like Archer, like, he, you know, like, Archer is not only in charge of the ED. It's Archer's patient. Archer gets the last word. And Will then still was like, no, fuck this. I'm that strong in my belief that the girl should have a second option. It's not even, like... I don't know. I just feel like it was like so extra and like a little too far. There's a lot of things about this episode that were extra. <laughs> you want to get yeah. into that? I mean, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, I often headbutt people when I have disagreements with them. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. It, it, I, and it's not even like the will colored glasses that like are talking here. I, 
he's got a point like she's got options but no i know i think but i think it will said that what he did he said to archer he was like hey i think you should tell her that she's got options but ultimately it is archer's patient like archer should get the last say and for will to then go behind the back to the patient i don't know i just it's just like and I think it's not even that it bothers me like that much. It's just more like we've had a season where Will really hasn't had any of his Will fuck ups. And this was like the first one in, I don't know, what episode are we on now? 15? Like, it was just noticeable because yeah. we haven't had it all season. And so like for, I'm like, oh, Will, like, it just felt like we went back to the old Will this episode. And I was like, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, Arthur again with just the Savage Burns. You've never seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, have you? I mean, like, clips, but to, like, say I've watched it, no. Are you familiar with the title of your sex tape bit? No. It's like, that's what she said, but instead of that's what she said, Jake, the main guy who plays by Andy Samberg, he plays, or he says, title of your sex tape. So, like, yeah. So, at this point, Archer says something when he's like, oh, now that you've made her the latest misguided crusade, and I'm like, latest misguided crusade, like, title of his sex tape. oh poor will but yes archer also is like you can have the patient fuck this noise like peace out yeah peace out so then will does the less invasive procedure it's like a nasal something decompression and again archer's just like oh hey mother Teresa," and like they apparently sent him like a gift box or something i don't know but the mother Teresa bit was pretty good yeah pretty good um but she goes septic anyway i mean he tried well tried yeah so then that happens will meets the fiance and the mother-in-law and it's weird it's really really weird because all the fiance cares about is how she's gonna look in the wedding dress and then like the mother-in-law won't talk to will but it'll talk to the son it's weird yeah they're a little fucked up it's it's pretty fucked yeah yeah so then we go back to Will and Goodwin and just, I, I feel like when Chicago this week was just like a bunch of relationships falling apart. Yeah. I'm trying to think about fire. Maybe not on fire, but Med and PD definitely. Med and PD were just big giant catastrophes. Yeah. So we have this moment between Will and Goodwin. But I got to get something off my chest. Okay. Your donation. What about it? You kind of screwed me, Miss Goodwin. <laughs> Excuse me? Now how's it going to look if I don't do the same thing? Listen, I donated my portion of the settlement because it was the right choice for me. If it's not the right choice for you... I can't then- ask for the money back now. I'm in a no-win situation here. I got into this to right or wrong, for sure. But I'm not exactly financially set. Okay, I'm drowning in debt. And I just gave away my life for it. All right, I understand. But you just can't let your personal issues affect you at work. She basically said, too bad, so sad. Yeah. And again, I've never seen a platonic relationship 180 so fast. <laughs> it's, it's laughable between the two of them. With Goodwin and, Goodwin and Will. It, it's just, it's laughable because, like, Will worked so hard to, like, earn his position back and finally work his way to Goodwin's good side. And the minute the vast something was over, Goodwin was like, you're a pain in my ass again. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I don't know. It just felt weird. Like, I don't know everything about this. 
it just feels like it was also so like fast like i said i just can't get it how fast everything changed between them because like last week they were still fine and then this week goodwin like you said basically he's like too bad so sad like go back to doing your job like stop trying to take over everyone else's patient like just like who are i don't know it just was so so fast yeah yeah it's interesting so then we're back with the patient and she called off the wedding at a girl yes queen Mm-hmm. And she just basically says, she's like, I was living up to their standards. I wasn't comfortable with it. And now I'm going to live my own life. And Will's just like, yeah, good job. So then we get to like the press event later on in the episode. Will is keeping the money. Damn straight, William. Treat yourself. And giving some of it to charity. So really best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. a boy, Will. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I mean, I think... It was obviously it was wrong for them to like or shent you to kind of pressure him into it in the first place. But like, I think, you know, I think Will would have come to even if Will had come to the charity decision on his own, like that would have been fine. I just think Will needed more time. But, I, you know, whatever decision he would have made, I think would have been I would have been like, OK, that's fine. But yeah, Will just needed to make that himself. Yeah. And what's right for Goodwin isn't necessarily right for Will. Right exactly i'm happy for him and then archer says finally a smart decision out of you and then i was like what is this feeling i'm agreeing with archer i hate it yeah yeah so i wonder what he's gonna do with the money does he buy jay and Haley a nice wedding gift (laughs) um i mean he's got to pay off his med school loans right and that's gonna be a pretty good chunk but then like what I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder if we're even going to cover that. Probably not. Man. Man. Is this going to be like Casey and the watch where it's like one thing and then we forget about it? Well, and then like, maybe we'll hear about it in five episodes. Cause you know, like the watch, it was like, we heard about it. And then it wasn't until the finale that they brought it back up again. Yeah. Yeah. Will's like walking through the ED and Goodwin's like, I hear the, the construction on the heliport and your apartment went great. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we got one listener thought on this one. Megan R said, Will should have gotten the option to choose whether to take it. He shouldn't have been forced, but I'm glad he donated some of it and kept the rest though. Same. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for like, I was going to say Dylan, but that's because he's next up. I'm happy for Will. Like stand like by I, your decision. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I think either way, like if Will had decided on his own that he wanted to donate it all fine. If he decided he even wanted to keep all of it, not donating any of it fine. Like he just needed to make that choice for himself. Yeah, and even if he wasn't in for it for the money, like he 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 worked hard, he sacrificed a lot, he put himself at risk to do that. So yeah, reap those rewards, man. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So meanwhile, across the hospital, we've got Dylan. Rhina, take it away. Yes, we've got Dylan and what I think is the weirdest storyline of the night. And I feel like that says a lot. It's a little odd. <laughs> a little odd. It's a lot odd. <laughs> a lot odd I still can't wrap my head around it like I rewatch when I was rewatching this today it was like I still don't understand what the point I let's discuss it's very okay. scatterbrained too especially given that we're still in the middle of the Carmen and Terrell situation yeah and that was another thing like I feel like they left like last week I thought was a good we talked about this last night too like last week I thought was a good episode and then this week I feel like they didn't touch on anything from last week 
That like, you, like we said, like the Shintu Vanessa stuff, they didn't bring up again this week. Carmen and Terrell, that kind of felt like, okay, I guess we didn't bring that up again this week. What the fuck happened to Stevie? We didn't talk about that. Dude. Like, it's just like all the things that I thought they kind of brought up in last week that they now aren't touching on this week. I just like, was like, wait, what? Anyway. Yeah. So Dylan gets this patient and I still really don't remember what's wrong with her medically, but that's not really important about any of this. So basically they bring her in and she is like clutching on to her purse and Dylan needs to do an x-ray of her, but he can't because she won't let go of her purse. Finally, they get her purse away from her and Dylan gives it to Maggie and he's like, hey, you know, go see if you can ID her, you know, she's because she's not giving her name. And so Maggie goes through the purse and we find out that she's probably a drug dealer because she's got what looks like a bunch of drugs just stashed in her purse. As one does. Yeah, casual. Mm-hmm. Casual. Which I guess obviously makes sense why she doesn't want to give it up. But anyway, so Dylan goes cop dylan and he and maggie are having this conversation because he wants to call his sister zora and maggie says no what are you thinking probably heroin caught a key straight off the brick still compressed hasn't been cut with anything but impossible to tell without testing what do we know about milena nothing tried to pull up her medical records but there was no history it's like she's a ghost call my sister no you can't do that i can't ignore this by law you shouldn't have kept digging around in her bag after we id'd her i don't know dylan it feels like you're mixed up and you don't know what uniform you're wearing okay this is a recurring theme throughout the night that like every time dylan's like police spidey sense tingles everybody shuts him down and i don't get that i'm like why are we why are we admonishing this? Why are we treating this like a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. No, but I think I think there's one thing to say like, hey, I think I've got the instinct that something's wrong here. And then to be like, hey, I'm going to call. Like there are, like Maggie says and Maggie points out, like he can't cross that. Like he's a doctor. He's not a cop right now. Like he is not a practicing cop. He is a doctor. And there are just lines that obviously like HIPAA and privacy and whatever that like you can't cross And I just, I don't know. I feel like Dylan was trying to, he was trying to do something good. I don't think that was ever the argument that he wasn't trying to do something good, but like, you can't cross that line. You're not a cop anymore. Did you just imply that HIPAA exists at Chicago Med? I mean, yeah, I know it doesn't, but to Dylan, I guess it does. He hasn't gotten corrupted yet. Yet is the keyword. I said yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like I said, I understand. I saw, I understand why some people think it was harsh, but like, like I said, he's not a cop anymore. And I think there are some lines that you just can't cross, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, so his patient is obsessed with wanting her bag back and, you know, she gets the vibe, like, this is where things start to get a little weird because she definitely gets the vibe that Dylan is giving off a weird vibe. And they have this whole weird conversation where she, you know, they're like having this conversation and Dylan just, he's like, I'm not a cop. And she's like, well, you could have fooled me. 
And Dylan's like, well, wait a second. Does she know? Like, gives her this look like, what the fuck is going on? Does she recognize me? Did I, like, do I have, have I had some kind of past interaction with her? Like, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. But then what makes it even weirder, so the girl's cousin comes in and immediately the cousin like shuts the curtain so that it's just the two of them in the bay and dylan before as the guy's like shutting the curtain dylan spots like a serbian mafia tattoo on the guy's neck and is basically like yeah he's a drug dealer and it's just like okay so this is actually happening this is what's going down in the emergency room at med this week (laughs) which is pretty tame compared to the grand scheme of things that have happened at med yeah so the girl, the patient, her name's Melina. She is opting to leave against medical advice, of course, because the cousin wants her and the drugs out of there. Like, of course he wants, duh. And so, but before she can even leave, she of course collapses because um, her injury is getting worse. But like I said, she doesn't want to stay. And so Dylan, of course, is getting more and more pissed because she doesn't want to stay and he can't do anything about the drugs and yada, yada, yada. And it's just like everything's building up and it's just, yeah. Um, and then, of course, oh, yeah, the cousin's gone and taken the drugs, too. <laughs> and we got to talk about Maggie. Maggie does not give a fuck. No, <laughs> she's like, and Dylan's like, Maggie, did you see where he went? Did, he, did you see him leave? And she's like, oh. Sorry, didn't notice. She like she like does not give a fuck. Maggie's in like Maggie's pretty salty to, like in this episode. I don't know why she's like up Dylan's ass first off, and she's like, "Get your hands out of the bag! Like you don't have the right. Stop it!" And then she's like, "Oh, look, a drug dealer got away. Whoops, my bad." <laughs> Maggie gives none of the fucks. Yeah, but so Dylan decides to ignore what maggie has been saying to him all night and he does call someone from her well he calls a sister who then brings a detective from the card narcotics in and she basically tells dylan to just ignore his suspicions okay but again we're faulting dylan for his instincts this narcotics woman is like oh yeah you used to be a cop but you're not anymore and dylan's like i guess i'll always bleed blue don't say that like it's a bad thing it's not a bad thing no like i said i'm not saying that it's bad to like have instincts but like you can't overstep the lines like you're not a cop he's not a cop anymore like he can't overstep and like everything he was doing was trying to be a cop when he's just not Mm -hmm. like you know like he overstepped way too much Calling narcotics in this instance is not an overstep. Like that's doing the right thing. No, but overstepping was he wasn't even supposed to go through her bag in the first place or beyond. Like he got the ID, like, you know, there's no problem with like, I guess getting the ID. I don't know exactly what the rules are, but like they got the ID and then he continued to go through the bag. Yeah. Like you can claim exigent circumstances if you're a cop, but I don't know if you can, if you're a doctor. Right, like I said, if especially like the ID sitting on top of the bag, like you didn't need to continue to go through her bag. Right. And like look through every little nook and crate, you know. And so, yeah, calling narcotics, but like you really shouldn't have even known about the drugs in the first place. So, you know, anyway. So then it gets weirder, 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 which if I didn't even think was possible. But so we end the episode, well, the end this part of the storyline at Dylan's apartment, which is like, oh, looky, Dylan's apartment. Again, a nice apartment. I don't know how he affords it, but a nice apartment. Um, And he gets a knock at the door and all of a sudden it's his patient Melina. 
and she makes a comment like because dylan had said like oh yeah you're gonna have to change this like bandage or whatever like come back to the hospital or whatever and so she ends up at his apartment and she's like well you told me to come see you and get it changed and he was like yeah i meant the apartment like i can't or i meant the hospital like i can't do that here in my apartment and, but he like lets her in for a second and like she's staring you know looking around his apartment and she notices like the picture from his like academy graduation at as, when he was a cop and she like he she like makes a comment about like where it was and you know how it was at navy pier and whatever and Dylan's like, oh, he's like, you know something. He's like, you know, or whatever. And like, she doesn't really say anything about that, but it's like so obvious. She's probably a cop too. Like, that's how she knows like where that was and, you know, all the details surrounding it and yada, yada, yada. But there's just so many questions I have about this. She's got to be an undercover cop. She's got to be. But then like, I don't know. What is the whole point? What is this whole storyline? I, I, I don't know. What is yeah. this? No, I don't, I don't know. Like, is, is Dylan going to get himself in trouble? You know, what would be cool is if the, the, like the undercover cop story and then the Carmen and Terrell, if they like intersected, that would be cool. That uh, would be cool. But like, she's in next week's episode, mm-hmm. according to IMDb, she's in next week's episode. Um, But like, what is, I just, I don't know. She, this was just so weird. It was just so bizarre. It could lead to an interesting place, though. Like, I mean, it could lead to an interesting place. It could be interesting or it could be a dud. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, we'll see. It does continue next week. So we will see how it wraps up. But like the first half of it was just weird. like the whole time I was just like, what is happening? What is this storyline? I don't know. Like, what is what is this? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hear that. So Megan R sent us a thought on this one. She said, Dylan using both his cop and doctor sides at the same time is always something I enjoy seeing. Having Maggie as his sidekick this week is the cherry on top. Yeah, but what's going on with Maggie? I don't know. I loved the Maggie. Like, I I, I love that. I thought that was great. No, it was good. It was good. So, all right. Moving into Vanessa and Dr. Charles, which is mostly Dr. Charles with a little bit of Vanessa. Okay, so- This is one of those patients that like, it kind of makes your skin crawl a little bit. So Vanessa's patient has what she believes is a mite infestation. Yep. Yep. Uh, Basically she like has just pretty much scratched her skin raw and it's infected and she's, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. So we meet the patient and then we get a really cute BFF moment between Goodwin and Dr. Charles. And Dr. Charles is just giving her crap for donating the settlement. He's like, what are you doing? Are you like fast tracking your application for sainthood? And Goodwin's like, please, like people are making too much of it. But they're not, though, because you just magically didn't happen to need $1.2 million. Yeah, I, I, yeah. 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 I have questions. It's a great, I didn't really think about that, but yeah. Like. Not even a portion of it. You're just donating the entire thing. I, she must be loaded or something. Like she must be like one of those people who's like secretly loaded and like 1.2 million dollars doesn't matter. It's interesting. Interesting. I just found that funny. She's like, people are making too much of it. I'm like, they're not though. They're asking questions that I would ask too. Yeah. 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 
so then Goodwin's like, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about Lonnie. Like, what the hell are we doing? And so Dr. Charles is like, yeah, you know, I kind of reciprocated last week, but nothing's happened. And Goodwin just says, keep me in the loop because you know I live vicariously through you. You guys, if you're not paying attention to this, like, BFF shit between Goodwin and Dr. Charles, like, pay attention. It's, like, in full force in the last, like, little bit, like, or this season really as a whole, but especially the last couple episodes, and it's so good. It's a seriously underrated bro TP. It's so good. It's good. It's very good. And it's sweet. Like, besties. Just besties. So... Dr. Charles goes to talk to the patient. And so before that even happens, um, Vanessa and Dr. Charles kind of powwow. And uh, Vanessa's like, I don't know. She might freak out hearing the word psychiatrist. And so Dr. Charles is like, cool, we can work around that. That's fine. So he removes his white coat and he is just like sporting this adorable little Mr. Rogers look. He's got like the button down shirt and like the sweater vest over. And like, he's walking in and I'm just like, won't you be my neighbor? Like, I don't know. It's cute. I was just like, oh, Dr. Charles. So he basically dupes this woman into thinking that he's Vanessa's supervisor. Because again, they're worried that she's going to be completely averse to seeing a psychiatrist. Uh, But it turns out that she actually saw a psychiatrist before the pandemic, the patient did. And so they're asking, or, you know, Dr. Charles is asking for more info. There is a moment here where he says, where Dr. Charles just says, oh, like, do we have their info? Nice use of pronouns, Dr. Charles. Very good use. That was good. Um, It happened a couple episodes ago where somebody just like was like, oh, well, they just assumed it was like a boss or somebody was male. And I was like, why do you assume? So good job on the pronouns, Dr. Charles. So enter Lonnie. Remember, Lonnie's the therapist that has feelings for Dr. Charles. There's a new goal. Okay. We want her to take an antipsychotic without calling it an antipsychotic. Okay. So Lonnie describes what's called benevolent deception. And this whole portion, I thought this was really clunky in terms of dialogue. Like she basically lists out all four elements of benevolent deception, but it's like, she's like reciting them from a textbook. So she basically lists the element and Dr. Charles is like, Ooh, here's that moment that supports that. And then just kind of go back and forth. I thought this was like really clunky. I thought this whole thing, like, I don't know. First of all, I find it hard to believe that Dr. Charles has no idea what benevolent deception is. Like, no, I don't know. Like, Dr. Charles seems like a smart guy. Like, I don't, I don't know. It feels like it felt like, like you said, it felt like she was explaining a concept. And then Dr. Charles was like supporting each point with like the examples from the case. Mm-hmm. But like, again, I don't know. It just felt like a common concept and maybe it's not. So maybe this is a dumb idea, but like, I don't know. It just felt like something Dr. Charles should have known first of all. And B, it just felt very obvious. Like they were trying to work Lonnie in like, cause obviously Dr. Charles had made a comment about like, well, I kind of tried to open up to her last week and said, maybe I was kind of interested, but like she isn't reset really reciprocated or anything, you know? And so then of course it was like, oh, so convenient that the patient was the psychiatrist that the patient used to see pre-COVID just so happened to see be like from a therapist at where Lonnie works. Mm -hmm. So like, of course, I don't know. It just felt like a whole, something that I didn't need. Like I didn't need this part in the case. It just felt like they were trying to work Lonnie in, but like it didn't work. Yeah. And just like the, the, her just like reciting the elements like that. Like I lost focus at that point. I was just kind of like, all right, let's get past this. I'm a little bored. 
Well, and especially too, like Lonnie says like the elements or whatever, and then we don't see Lonnie for the rest of the case. It's not like Lonnie helps them anything else. So like I said, it just felt like, I don't know, like I said, it just felt like they were trying to work Lonnie in mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, look, doc, you know, Lonnie can't avoid Dr. Charles any further. But then we didn't even get a conversation of them like talking about what Dr. Charles told her last week. So like, again, what was the point of this? I don't know. I just... Yeah. It was a weird scene. It was a very weird scene. It was weird. It was definitely weird. So then Dr. Charles taking these elements and this knowledge that he has now, he goes and talks to the patient and he basically tells her that he went online, basically Googled his way into finding some miracle drug that should basically fix the whole problem. And when she says, what, like, she's like, what is it? He basically is just like, just trust me. Yeah. And she does. Just, Although uh, we were talking about it last night, like, uh, if I had to pick any doctor for med to trust, like, Dr. Charles would probably be, like, up there. Right, but that's that's because we know, like, we, we've seen him work. This patient has never seen him. I know, before. that's true. It's true. I don't know. Yeah, he's just like, can you just trust me? Um, I really hope no doctor in the United States says that when prescribing a medication. But like, again, if benevolent deception is a thing, then I'm, I guess it's probably worded differently how you get to, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know either, but it does work. Her delusion breaks. Uh, and Dr. Charles and Lonnie are like, Hey, cool. It worked. And Lonnie's like, well, you have to tell her the truth now. So Dr. Charles does tell her the truth. She's not happy about it as I don't think anybody would be, but you know, they have this really nice moment where the patient's just like, this is the first like real conversation I've had with anyone since COVID, you know, her therapist had retired. And so Dr. Charles is like, well, I can't see you because I'm out of the ED, but I know somebody who might. And then Lonnie comes in and that's basically how we resolve it. So yeah, no progress on the Dr. Charles and Lonnie front, just. But there were chances. And that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to insert Lonnie into this, like, you would think they'd have a conversation, but then I don't know. Yeah. 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 But that's about it on the Dr. Charles front. Then we've got the Crockett front. (laughs) What the hell was this? I don't know. This was weird too. Like, I feel like they just were like, how do we spice things up? Let's have somebody punch Crockett. And not punch Crockett. Headbutt, Headbutt but like Crockett. round up, you know. Yeah. Okay. Just Brenda, take it away. Okay. So there's not a ton here because like we don't even see Crockett and Dr. Blake till like 20 minutes into the episode. So um there was not a ton here, but basically they're working on a patient who is getting a heart and a liver transplant. It's actually someone that Dr. Blake worked on when she was a resident like 15 years ago. So it's kind of an important case to her. And then, so like it's a co-procedure, right? So you have the heart portion and the liver portion. And obviously they're doing the liver portion, but the person who's doing the heart portion is this guy named Dr. Morris, who is already, he literally walks in and I'm like, I hate him already. Oh yeah. I wanted to punch him from like the first moment. And like, I don't really like Dr. Blake, but he makes Dr. Blake look like an angel. He just like, he hate well, he hates Crockett for absolutely no reason. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get to here in a second. Okay. So basically they, you know, talk about yada, yada, yada. They go out in the hall and 
you know, he makes all these like kind of just remarks to Crockett, like you said, and she dr blake does in her defense she does like stand up for crockett which i did appreciate Mm -hmm. but he the guy this guy dr morse is just like you know i think it's cute that you got like a pet general surgeon and it's just like why are you going after him for no reason whatsoever and then he calls them what is the how do you say it again bogan a A bogan he basically he basically insulted crockett and crockett he insulted crockett in australian is basically what he did yeah She's like, dude, you don't even know the guy. No, I pulled up the definition because I was like, Google, like, I got to find out. So, okay, a bogan is defined as it's an uncouth or unsophisticated person regarded as being of low social status. At this point, given that definition, I was like, I wonder if this is going to be a thing where maybe Dr. Morris is like, discriminating against Crockett because he's Persian I don't know I just given that definition I was trying to reason it I think yeah that I think now that you look up the definition I think that him calling him that is a little weird if you were going to insult him you could have picked something better better being in quotes um but I did see this theory going around on the internet a lot last night and once I I didn't necessarily think about it but like once I saw it it kind of makes sense a lot of people seem to think that like there's some sort of history between Morris and Dr. Blake and there's that's gotta why, be there's gotta be and I'm which I mean like does that mean we're getting Dr. Morris again because like oh I don't want that either uh, like we didn't yeah. learn about the history so like are we just gonna leave it as like this unsaid thing that I guess ultimately kind of pushed Dr. Blake and Crockett together which we'll get to in a second but like or does Dr. Morris come back I would like to know why Dr. Morris was such an asshole for no reason. Right. But we don't know yet. Or if we ever know. He literally just like, it's practically like he walked up to Crockett and like, instead of introducing himself was just like, I don't like you. Yeah. And like I said, it would make sense if you then figure out, or it would make, it, it does, not that it makes sense, but like it would make sense if there was some sort of history and like maybe they dated and it ended bad or, you know, yada, yada, yada. Maybe he was once Dr. Blake's protege and, you know, whatever. Like, I think there's a lot of things that can make sense as to why he just insulted Crockett for no reason. But right now it makes no sense because we have no backstory. It was weird. It was weird. But then we get this moment. Nice to know I'm an integral part of the team. Morris doesn't get to talk to you like that. That's my job. (laughs) Right. So just after what you said last week about us, I appreciate knowing you're still in my corner, I guess. Oh, well, don't get sentimental on me. Like I said, as long as you keep your personal feelings in check, you'll always have a place in my OR. Always. Fair enough. Crockett cannot let it go. No. No. Like, at all. Oh. He's like, oh, man. And and the thing with with Crockett is he is such a charmer. He's such a charmer. I know. But this teetered between like him being charming and us being like, whoa, this teetered between that and it being a little like cringy. I'm like, Crockett, you're about to go into surgery. You should like, where's your mind? Focus. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say we haven't seen Crockett. Like think about 
the relationships that Crockett has had on the show. Like you had April, right? And April was just, I think that was more of a game. Like, yeah, maybe he thought she was cute and whatever, but like, mm-hmm. that was definitely a game, you know, because she was with Ethan and yada, yada, yada. And then you have Mansell, which was, I think, you know, a real relationship, but also he's never, he never like was into Natalie in the same way that he is into Blake. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think he, I think he had legitimate, like heavy feelings for Natalie. I, I think no, he did. I, hello, number one man cell shipper over here. Of course I think that, but I'm saying we never saw it. Like we never saw, like, I think, and again, I don't like Dr. Blake and Crockett. So this is obviously not me shipping them and not me having that. But I think there is something different about the way he's pursuing Dr. Blake than there was about the way he pursued Natalie and even pursued April. That's interesting. I don't really get that vibe. I, I get the vibe that I, I think, I think if you, if you ask me who he like loved more between Natalie and Dr. Blake, I think he was, he- I think he was deeper in love with Natalie. I think Dr. Blake's relationship hasn't gotten there yet. It's a little cat and mouse with Dr. Blake and Crockett. Cause he's just like, Whoa, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay here and I'm just going to wait and see what happens. But I think the other thing too, if you look at those three relationships, I think we can say that Crockett loves very intensely when he gets into someone, when he has feelings for someone, it's not just a casual thing. Like he loves with his whole heart. Yeah, no, I agree. And I agree with the fact that like, I don't think he's in love or loves Dr. Blake yet. Like, I don't think we're there yet in that relationship. He definitely, I don't even think he was loved April. Like you said, I think that was just a game and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Natalie, obviously, of course, I definitely, I mean, we saw them say, I love you last year. Like they, they that was definitely a love relationship, but I think there were definitely deep feelings there. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like with Mansell that there was the same pursuing that were like, I guess maybe because at, it was also more of a mutual thing too, mm-hmm. that like there wasn't the same pursuit with Mansell that we're seeing now with Dr. Blake, because obviously she's more hesitant. And so like, there's definitely Crockett going like full force, like, no, this is what I want. Like, I don't see why we can't be together, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why I think it's different, but I don't know. It just seems like his pursuing is more intense than I it's ever been. He's, he's devoted. Has that to describe it? Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it is interesting. Like, I don't think it's a game, but in some ways it kind of can come off too as a game. Like it almost feels like it's some kind of weird combination of like his feelings to Natalie towards Natalie and his feelings towards April. Yeah. Like the intensity of his feelings for Natalie, but the game part of his feelings for April is what his relationship with Dr. Blake is so far. Um, yeah, yeah. I would actually love, like, if you want to talk about, like, crack crossovers and just, like, weirdness, I would love to see Crockett just, like, placed into Bridgerton just to see how he would, like, <laughs> work in that universe. It would oh, be good, man. though. I'd pay good money for that, actually. That would be interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I'm so excited for Bridgerton. Same, same. I'm so excited. <laughs> anyway, I digress. But, so, basically, we get into the OR and, like, Morris kind of like he thinks he's done and so he kind of just pieces out he's like okay bye whatever I'm leaving this to you guys you're not done yet whatever but so there ends up being some like heavy bleeding on their end that they can't control and it turns out that like Morris made a mistake 
like, and it's obviously affecting them finishing up their part, but like Morris made a mistake. So Crockett ends up basically redoing the entire thing. This is such a Connor move. Yeah, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't either. But also how he was like, I'm on the transplant team, but oh, look, I can also do like cardiac surgery too. Yeah. Just good at everything. Yep. Um, so of course, Morris is pissed when he finds out and he's like, don't ever touch my repairs. And Crockett is, you know, because Crockett knows that like he did the right thing and like Morris clearly wasn't going to go back in and fix it. And so Crockett, Crockett's confident in what he did, but like also it comes across smug because he's got that look on his face and it's just like only Crockett. It's so good though. I need to gif it. I just haven't had the time yet. It's so good. But then we get into this weird, like I said, Morris and Crockett get into this heated conversation and all of a sudden Morris basically out of nowhere, instead of a punch goes straight for the headbutt, And it's just like, what the fuck? I don't know. I have literally only seen a headbutt once in my life and it was real life. It was in a soccer game, but I don't think I've ever seen a headbutt in like movies or TV or anything. Who does that? Morris, apparently. What is this guy's problem? I still have no words. I still can't believe like, and it like just even watching the gif because Wolf Entertainment account had like tweeted the gif of it, just watching it and like repeat. It was like kind of amusing and like i couldn't stop watching it just like over and over and over again but like also like just what the fuck (laughs) they literally what is this guy's purpose they literally just inserted him in there to be a pain in the ass well and like i said it they make it seem so obvious that there's some sort of history between blake and morris right Mm -hmm. like why else would he be going after crockett so hard like why does he hate crockett without ever having met him yeah but then they don't give us the backstory right so like I don't know. It just, we then, we kind of end up in this weird place where everything just seems like Morris is doing this for no reason. And he might be doing it for no reason, but like, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. But then we end the storyline and Crockett and Blake have a lot of flirting going on. And they're like sitting on a couch. She's like tending to his head wound that he has from the headbutt. Mm Mm-hmm again and they're like flirting and she says she's like oh well like your lips weren't hurt were they and he's like no (laughs) and then they end up kissing and like i don't know i guess they're good now i guess this is a thing like i don't know it was weird yeah (laughs) yeah i kind of got the go ahead go ahead no go ahead I, I kind of got the vibe that, like, Dr. Blake was a little turned on by, like, the head injury. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. So, but, like, she had been so gung-ho about, like, this can't happen. You know, like, we're just colleagues. We're just colleagues. We're just colleagues. And, like, she's the one to make the first move. So, like, is that a thing now? Like, are they, like, a thing thing officially? Like... Also, that's some really terrible flirting. Like, were your lips hurt too? (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. I feel like that's a good, that's an accurate word to sum up pretty much the whole episode. Just weird. 
And I still like this doesn't make me like nothing has changed my mind on Dr. Blake and Crockett like mm-hmm. at all. Like I said, I guess I appreciated Dr. Blake a little bit more this week because she did defend Crockett. Like she was like, no, like you don't, you know, mm-hmm. you're out of line. Like, why are you talking to him like that? I, I could appreciate that about her. But like this, this still does nothing for me like at all. Yeah. And I don't know if it ever will. Like, I don't like, I don't know. I don't think it ever will. Yeah. It's I'm just like, okay. Yeah. So Megan also had a comment about this too. She said, this Dr. Moore's character is not someone I can get behind. It's night like it's nights like these where I miss Connor Rhodes being on the CT team doing surgeries. I miss Connor. All yeah, the time. I do miss Connor too. I was so confused during one Chicago Wednesday, by the way, because I mean, we, we all know like PD was a big Verzik episode. Patty Murin was tweeting. I think she was tweeting something else, but the bachelor. No, that was when, no, no, I'm sorry. I got my days mixed up. The Bachelor, because The Bachelor was on two nights this week, but it was Monday and Tuesday. Not she Monday. was tweeting something where like there was a character named Kim involved and like she tweeted something at one point and was like, whoa, Kim. And I was like, is Patty watching one Chicago? But I don't, I, I didn't even investigate. I was just, I got really I was, confused. I, I'm investigating now. I'm trying to figure out. But Kim, what if? I don't know what this is a but like the gift also doesn't even make any sense in context with PD I know but it was during PD I don't really want to do the work I yeah I don't know oh yeah that one yeah anyway I don't know I don't know so but yeah med was weird this week we're just gonna leave it at that med was weird we're in a weird little stretch with med right now like I said, I thought last week's was, I thought last week's made up for the week before, which I thought was not good. And mm-hmm. last week's I thought was good. And this week, uh, I didn't hate it. Like, it's not like I'm saying here saying like, oh my God, this is the worst episode of Med I've ever seen, but it was just weird. But also where the fuck is Stevie? Yeah, we haven't talked about, let's, we need to talk about that. What the fuck? Yeah, Kristen wasn't even uh, credited. She's not in the promo photos for next week. Like, I don't think she's just, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. They better not have Rojas'd her. Yeah. Well, and like, the thing is, is like, if you are trying to get the point that she's going to be gone a few episodes so she can like go visit her husband in Michigan, why didn't someone just make a comment? Just and then it. we would have, we all would have been like, okay, cool. She's in Michigan. Okay, cool. Whatever. Yep. Yep. But like the not addressing it seems really weird. Yes. Yes. And the fact that it's in the middle of a season, it's not even like, at least with Rojas, like the season ended and then she was gone. But like in the middle of the season, she's just like, peace. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. It's weird. I just, how many more times can we say weird? But like, there's no other word for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like yeah. I said, I just, they could have made the one offhand comment and we would have not, nobody would be like, think anything of it. Literally. That's all it takes is one line of dialogue. Like I'm, but, but I'm guessing like all 43 minutes must be like, so very precious that not even one line of dialogue can like be worked in. I get it. But no, but if you're especially, but here's the thing though, like if Stevie is coming back, right? Like, which is what I choose to believe that she's just off in Michigan with her mm-hmm. husband or whatever. And like, she'll come back. But like, 
if she were planning on bringing her back, wouldn't it make sense that for you to address where she is? Mm-hmm. Like that wouldn't seem like wasting one line to me, but yeah. what do I know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Anybody you like Goodwin could have made a comment, you know, just being like, Oh, we're down a doctor. Stevie's, you know, back in Michigan right now, temporarily or whatever, you know, something, somebody could have mentioned something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd say Goodwin is too busy, like diving into her 1.2 million, but obviously she donated it all. So I don't know what she's doing. I don't know. It just, I'll be curious to see if she's just not in promo photos or is she not in next week's episode at all? Just tell us all we ask for is communication. I guess the only bright side is there's not been a deadline article saying that she's leaving. So yeah no news is good news yeah and and we we did have this conversation with our 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 one chicago sisters in the pod squad that like we got deadline articles for everyone else like when laseth left we got one annie we got one uh adrian there was one for laseth because it said she was joining um legends of tomorrow yeah yeah i guess because that was the covid like right after covid in that summer and yeah but yeah okay yeah so yeah I don't know. Any other thoughts on med? No. Just um just an episode. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Moving into fire. Fire, fire, fire. It is the first episode with Lieutenant Stella Kid in charge of Truck 81. It, you would think it would get old, like you know, just hearing Lieutenant Kid, but it really doesn't. It really it doesn't. doesn't get old. I hope it never gets old. No, but like it doesn't get old. It hasn't gotten old yet, at least. And every time I hear it, every time somebody's like lieutenant or like lieutenant still a kid, I get pumped. I'm like, yes, like I get super hyped up. Yeah, it's great. Uh, will you start us off? Yeah. So we're going to start off, like you said, it's Stella's first shift officially as like the permanent lieutenant on truck 81. Queen shit. Just like, yes. Girl but, boss. Girl yeah. boss. But she has a major, 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 major decision to make, you know, because there is an empty spot on truck, which really I think there's more than one, but there is one that she is like pressured to fill. Um, and so, but she's like talking to Bowden about it and she's like, you know, I have floaters coming in the next couple of shifts. Like, you know, they come highly recommended. So we'll see if they're the right fit. So at the call where they rescue Seeger, which like more on that in a minute, uh, Rossi, who is the first floater, she makes a comment about how, you know, she's like, I wish I could have been up and in the action more. And of course, Gallo cosigns that he's like, yeah, he's like, I wanted to be in there too. But like, okay, so clearly this girl is a go-getter, but like, cool. <laughs> so back at 51, Violet's like, yeah, you know, Rossi's like, she's doing good so far. And Gallo's just like, I don't know, like, there's something annoying about her. I like, can't just name it, whatever. And then, of course, Mouch pipes in and he's like, it's because she's a gallo. And Gallo's like, wait, what? Huh? And Mouch is like, yeah, you know, like he's like, most firefighters fall into like one of four categories and she falls into like the cool young buck doe category, whatever. And Gallo's just like so offended that he's not like a special unicorn. He's like, no way. I'm my own type. And it's just like, Gallo. But we, we only learned three of the types. We didn't learn the fourth. You really only learn two types. No, there because there. Well, there's the gallo. Oh, there's, there's the gallo, the mouch, and then the, the whatever the, the eagle scout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. 
I guess the fourth would be what Mason ends up being, but I don't know. No, Mason is an Eagle Scout. No, that was Sykes. Oh, shit. Okay. So I, I guess Mason, anyway, anyway, but Gallo, like I said, Gallo's offended that he's not like he, he to him, he is a special unicorn, which is just like so Gallo that he thinks he's like one of one. But have anyway. you, have you done the 180 on this kid that I have in recent weeks? I don't, I don't know. Part of me is not ready to give up all my hope on Gallo just yet, mm-hmm. but like next week's promo, which we'll talk about, I guess at the end, like it's just not looking, I haven't enjoyed Gallo the way I did. Let's put it that way. I feel like in a course of like two or three episodes, they have made him go from like precious little cinnamon roll to like really obnoxious brat. Yeah. Yeah. And it like all kind of stems from jealousy too. It's not like anything really happened. Like Gallo's just, it, I don't know. It all stems from jealousy. And next week, especially, it looks like Gallo's just jealous and it's just not a good look. I could have, I could have stayed in that realm of like absolutely loving him, even with Hawkins in the picture, had he not slut shamed her. The slut shame was the first strike. And the fact that he hasn't given up since, I'm like, no, shut up. Like you're done. Yeah, next week's not going to be fun. No. But anyway. I mean, it is because we're well, going to see Hawkins. But... Yeah, it is. But it's not on the gala front. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. So anyway, back, back to this. Um. Herman flags down Stella and asks her to consider Mason. If you don't remember who Mason is, Mason is the guy from last season who had learned to become a firefighter in prison and they met on a call. But he couldn't join the CFD because of his record. And so they ended up getting a job in Minnesota. Apparently now his record is expunged and Chicago is his home. So Herman's trying to like put in a good word and he's like, you know, I know Mason would fit in here, but Stella is a little apprehensive and thinks he doesn't check all the boxes because a lot of his training came from forest fires and not, obviously that's a different kind of firefighting than, you know, buildings and whatever. And so she's just like, I don't know if he's really the right person, but um, so anyway, so they get back. Well, squad gets back from the stair collapse again, more on that in a second. And Stella picks Severide's brain and she's like, you know, Rossi, like she's good enough, but like, I don't really think she's the missing piece. And she's just like, you know, I need to get this right. Like, do you have any tips on how to assemble a good crew? <laughs> then we cut over like, cause you know, Severide looks over to his crew and he's like, thinks he's going to have this like proud moment where he like looks over and he's like, yeah, I assembled a good one. And we cut over and we see Cruz and Tony trying to stick a firefighter boot over Cap's head. <laughs> and it's just like, first of all, like, how does this happen? Like, what are the circumstances that led to them putting the boot on the head? I just, I need to know. Cap probably like, it's probably a bet of some sort. Probably a bet. Yeah. Tony probably dared him or something. Yeah. But so, of course, Severide's just like, eh, maybe I'm not the right person to ask. That <laughs> was really funny. I, I just, I, I appreciated that little moment of humor. That was really funny. I love when Cap walks past Lieutenant with the, with uh, the, the, the boot, boot on, on his on head. The head. And he just looks at Stella and he's like, Lieutenant, like nothing to see here. Yeah. And Randy was tweeting apparently because somebody, I guess, asked him like, well, how do they get like how did they get the boot on your head or whatever and i guess like the props department you know the costume department like cut a slit in the back of the boot so that it would like fit properly on the head like i don't know i thought it was funny um anyway so 
we're at Molly's after shift and Herman brings Mason and Herman, of course, like casually just invited Mason to do a ride along on truck shift, um, just to observe, not like, you know, officially fill in, but like just to observe. And, you know, Mason, of course, is like, well, I don't, you know, I don't, if I'm going to get in the way, like, I'm totally understand, like, you don't have to, whatever. And Stella's like, no, 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 like, it's fine, you know, come hang out. So next shift, we get the second floater and Stella introduces him and his name is Sykes to the crew. And like Gina already kind of said, like, Match immediately classifies this guy as like the Eagle Scout type, like the guy who just follows all the rules, does everything by the book, but like, and he's a good solid firefighter, but like, isn't someone who's like, really that fun or has a lot of personality (laughs) so we see a little bit of this on a call that 81 goes to where it's an apartment complex fourth floor they smell smoke but they can't figure out where it's coming from so stella has everyone split up and start checking the different apartments and so sykes checks an apartment with mason and like doesn't hear the alarm so he's like okay we're all good but mason notices from the hall that there actually is no alarm in there like at all so they go in, they go back in, and it absolutely turns out that, like, someone left something on the stove, and that's what caught on fire, yada, yada, yada. So Mason's instincts are, like, right on. And Stella obviously takes notice. So they get back from this call, and Stella walks into the bunk room and sees, like, Mason giving Sykes some words of encouragement. And so she, you know, is very obviously impressed the fact that, like, not only is he clearly a good firefighter, but that he's got a heart, you know, he's got the heart to do this. He's kind, you know, he's encouraging of his other firefighters, you know, all that stuff. So when he's done, Mason goes to Stella to like, thank her for letting him ride along. And we get this nice moment. Mason, you are the missing piece. What's been missing at 51 is what Casey brought us. And I mean, no one will ever be able to replace him, but it wasn't just his talent and his skills that made him so important to 51. It was his generosity, his kindness, his heart. And that is what you have. So, um, I know you're happy in St. Paul, but- This is where I should be. can't argue with the lieutenant so is mason now like a recurring character is he someone we're gonna see for the rest of the season i hope so i love him already i know i really enjoy him but like usually i feel like there would have been an announcement right like of a recurring character of especially if they're more than just a couple episodes for the most part there yeah, i don't know is, i don't but... know i hope so though i hope so I feel like it would be weird for them to be like, yeah, you're our new replace, you know, like you're the new guy that's like joining truck and then for him to just like leave in a few episodes. But yeah, what do I know? Um, also, we have to mention Herman's face at the end of this moment when it's like such a proud Papa moment. And I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and then the episode ends and we get Severide coming home and he's like, oh, so I heard, he tells Stella, he's like, oh, I heard that you finally like settled on Mason. And she's just like, I pulled a boss lady move and hired him on the spot. <laughs> um, and then of course they like make out or whatever. And Stella's just like, hold up. She's like, I don't want you getting all worked up for you just to get a call from OFI and have to run out and investigate. And he's just like, no chance. He's like, I'm right where I want to be, which is just like, 
Thank you for that reassurance because we are feeling very insecure about it. (laughs) My heart. Yeah. Yeah. That was Stella Ride. Yeah. But yeah, that's the Stella Mason storyline. Lieutenant Stella Kid. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it'll never get old. It never gets old. It's so good. It's so good. That last Stella Ride scene teases us up perfectly for a segue because then we move into Severide and Seeger. I said yeah. it on the group FaceTime while we were watching, but I think it's possible that too much of a good thing might be bad and we might have hit that point. Yeah, it's like a lot. Like normally we get like one or two arson storylines a season and I feel like we've had like five or six. It's literally all we've had for Severide this season. For the most part, yeah. Which again, I mean, I love Arson Severide and I think half the fun of it is when Kelly figures out what caused it and it's something just completely off the wall. That's half the fun of it, but it's all we've done this season. Severide hasn't really done anything aside from that. Yeah, and his weird moments with Stella in the, you know, when she was gone. That's like literally all Severide's had this year. I wonder if we would feel different about this if it wasn't like, I mean, because it's like a package deal, right? Where there's ours and there's Seeger. I wonder if we would feel different about this if she wasn't around. I don't know. I feel like maybe, like, of course, I think part of the reason nobody likes the arson stuff right now is because, like you said, it's it's package deal. So we get a lot of Seeger. But also, I feel like it's been a lot, too. And it, and it, it feels noticeable that, like, it's just repeating storylines just with different, you know, like it's an arson. It's an arson. It's an arson. Like, I just, I don't, you know. How many serial arsonists are there running around Chicago? Shit. Right. It just, I don't know. It just feels like it's been way too many. Yeah. So we start this episode 81, 51, and 61. They all get called to this building. There's an incident at a building. They roll up and the OFI car is there. So Sev's like, what the fuck? Like, what are they doing here? So Van Meter runs out and he's looking kind of rough. And he's just like, listen, we were investigating the stairwell. It collapsed. Like I jumped out of the way, but Seeger wasn't so lucky. And Severide is just kind of like, oh my God, Seeger, like, is she okay? What's going on? Well, she's trapped underneath all this rubble, like the collapsed staircase. And so Severide does his Severide Avengers Spider-Man shit. Um, to you know basically get down to her and so and now it's a team effort too which is great because when you see truck and squad work together it's like husband and wife just like "Eh." i know i loved it i loved it so much so cute so his like actual wife is trying to help him rescue his work wife it was just cute (laughs) yeah so like or truck sets up some like ladder and they like rig it in a certain way and then like gallo climbs up and like he rigs some sort of carabiner and then severides just like spider sev spider sev um and he like hooks himself up and he repels down and seeger's trapped under this rubble and so he like single-handedly moves stuff out of the way he iron man's it because he he's like the universal avenger at this point he just has everybody's powers like i don't know you never saw the original heroes did you Mm-mm. so milo ventimiglia he was on that show on the original yes. original yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and he played peter petrelli and peter's superpower was that he absorbed everybody else's power so he was kind of like the ultimate hero so if there were two other people around him that had different powers like uh-huh. if one if one could fly and then one had like super strength he would absorb both of those and he could fly and have super strength at the same time okay two comments one that's fucking awesome mm-hmm. two 
there was a reboot or something? Why did you say the original? There was an original. There was an original Heroes that aired in like 2006. Right. It's like Hidden Panettiere, Milo. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I've never seen it, but like, I know it. Uh, Bob Rusick's in it too. Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then they, they did try a reboot in like 16, 17, might've been earlier than that. They tried a reboot and it crashed and burned. I think Heroes was just ahead of its time because like a show like that now would just do like incredible, but it was just ahead of its time. Oh, Heroes Reborn. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I got curious. So I was, oh, but Jack Coleman was in it. The Rob Ruzik. No, in the reboot. Yeah, yeah. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi, or Zachary Quinto. He was in it. I don't think Levi was. Uh, according to the internet, according to IMDb, he was. Shit, I gotta go back then. Allie Larder was in the original. Um, it was so good. But that's pretty much the superhero Severitis. He's just like, it's like he's an Ryan Avenger. Guzman was in it. In the, reboot? in the reboot? Oh, geez. I didn't watch a ton of the reboot because it wasn't good. Yeah, apparently he was. You know what did Heroes in, though? The original? You know what did it in was the writer's strike in 07? Yeah, that's never what I, rebounded. Yeah. It was so yeah. good, though. But that's my point is that's the kind of superhero that Severide is, is that he's I know, like, I know we were going to go off on a tangent, but like I had to, I had questions. Yeah. No, it's totally fair. It's totally fair. But like literally, he's just like, all the superpowers i can do anything and here like and in this moment he's like let me lift this really big giant piece of this building off of seeger and he does because severide just because severide because severide yeah so yeah he repels down to her and then of course like he saves her and (laughs) i'm willing to bet anything that like seeger basically lives out her like zendaya fantasy in this moment when she like grips onto him and like repels up i'm like you know that girl was just kind of like this is the best yeah like yeah so they get back like up top and Seeger's just like, you're not too bad at this hero stuff. Stop it, Seeger. Yeah. I get it. He's dreamy. Totally get it. But yeah, we engaged. don't blame you, but like. He's an engaged man. Respect the Stella. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then Severide volunteers squad for cleanup duty so that he can basically play fire cop and have another look. That moment with Cruz, though, like he he sounded like borderline offended when Cruz was like, is this why you volunteered us so you could? And then Seb's like, what, play fire cop? Don't be offended. That's the coolest thing in the world. To, I just think it's funny. It's one of those things where Cruz was obviously like, how did he know that I we said this? Because Severide wasn't in the truck when they made that comment last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was. Yeah. That was last week. Um, and so it's just like, how does he know? It's like, how does he know that we've said this behind his back? Fire cup is just the best. Why? How did, like, how did we not think of that? It's just so perfect. I don't know, but it is really good. So good. So then they're investigating and Severide finds that something called the stringer was cut halfway through. So the collapse was intentional, but like, he was just speaking fire cop at that point because I was like, all I see is a portion of wood that was not burned. I don't know what this means. I looked it up. So the stairs, I have to look it back up. So the stringer on the stairs is like basically the thing that supports, you know, obviously there's the stairs part that we like actually walk on. Mm-hmm. The stringer is almost, is basically kind of like the support. It's the vertical support board or structural member that runs along each side or center of the staircase. 
So it is like when they cut it, they cut that like piece of wood underneath, uh-huh. which is why it would have collapsed. Okay. So like if you've got the stairs, like the actual stairs, the stringer yeah. is like the wood on the side that like, ah, okay. And okay. or like, and obviously sometimes you'll see it too, like in the middle of the mm-hmm. stairs. Um, but yeah, those are the stringers. So it's like what literally holds it up. Severide's so smart. Yeah. Ugh kills me um on our facetime by the way when several i started like investigating i legit just flat out said i was like oh, talk arson to me kelly and my fiance has no idea what that means he just looked at me like i had like nine heads he's just like who is this person like fuck so <laughs> seeger comes by 51 when she's done with med and sev takes her to talk to Bowden. and so it was a routine call they thought it was electrical and now they start to think that it might be an arson for arson for profit, which basically means they deliberately torched it to get the money. Uh, so they go pay the building owner a visit. However, this guy is like, oh, hell no. He's like, I put so much money into this. I'm going to turn this into like apartments. I have so many plans for this. Why the hell would I burn that down? Like that would be stupid. So they go back to the incident site and Seeger mentions that the reason they came back when the collapse happened was that they had gotten a tip on the hotline that said that there was more to the call than meets the eye. There's an arson hotline? I guess. Like, does does Severide, like when Severide can't sleep, does he just like listen to that to like lull him back? (laughs) That would be funny. Is that Severide's one Chicago ASMR? Yes. There's a fanfic right there. It's like Stella gets up in the middle of the night. It's like, Kelly, what are you doing? And he's just like, "Mm, I'm listening to the arson hotline. It's so calming. (sighs) Yeah. So they got the tip that there was more to the call than met the eye. They go back to the building. Seeger is like down in the rubble looking at some sort of box or something. Severide hears a noise and he sees somebody just like watching them. So yeah. So basically there's a chase scene. Severide chases after this kid and like, that's not bad for 40 years old to be like keeping up with that guy and like that chasing and like hunting him down. Mm-hmm. Good for you, Severide. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, yeah. So Severide runs after them, but he pretty much decides that like the barbed wire fence is just like his limit. He's like, no, no, I'm a superhero, but I'm done. Like, yeah. I don't make enough for this. So, uh, yeah, the, the next day they go to OFI, they talk to Van Meter. Seeger says that the fire did seem to be accidental, like initially thought, but nobody could explain the stairs. They just don't get it. So Severide's like, well, since I'm a genius and I can solve any arson that's ever happened ever, um, he's like, I think somebody went in after the fire and weakened the stairs just to target investigators. Like that man's spidey sense is unreal. Yeah, I know. I went out. Van Meter, of course, just knows at this point. He, he's like, what does your guy say, Kelly? And it's just like, well, duh. Of course, Kelly, like, Kelly probably knows what's actually happening. Of course. Van Meter must like lose sleep over that. He must lose his mind that he's like, Severide is amazing. And he's the perfect arson investigator, but he doesn't want to join my team. He's yeah. like, it must drive him insane. Probably. Sev, could, he should get paid extra for these things. Does he make overtime doing this? Yeah, I don't know. But How I does mean, that work? Do Chicago Fire, like, did they get, are they salaried? Are they hourly? Like, so many questions. I think they're probably salaried, would be my guess. Do firefighters get paid over time? Let's see. Okay, it's giving me Texas because, of course, but 
The firefighter or other member of a fire department is entitled to be paid overtime for the excess hours work without regard to the number of hours worked in any one week of the work cycle. Yes, I guess. I guess. But like, I also feel like Severide would do this for free. Oh, yeah. I just think it's a bonus if he gets paid to do it. Because he's just so freaking good at it. I know. It's like ridiculous how good he is at it. It's ridiculous. It's like, it just, it, it's in him. It's just, I say it all the time. It's in his DNA. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It, but also, it, it also like, I know we've had a little too much arson lately, but like the part of it that never gets old is when he solves it and is like, this caused it. Yeah. 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 That part doesn't get old, but even like you said, even though the arson itself this season is, feels like a little old, like that doesn't get old. You're right. Yeah. The part where he solves it is always like the, Ooh, that's cool. Always pays off. Yeah. So Seeger pulls files on every single known arsonist who potentially could have beef with OFI, which like at this point, 10 seasons in, I'd imagine it's pretty fucking long. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she brings out like boxes and it's like, Oh, uh, is, is Okay. Okay. I mean, is serial arson a crime that's like only local to Chicago? I have so many questions. Who knows? I don't know. So she brings them to 51 for her and Severide to look at. And Severide stops on this case of a kid who was basically paroled after serving 18 months for torching a car. So Severide's like, you know what? I think this is the kid I saw at the factory. So they go by the house and he denies that he made the anonymous call. He's like, no, I was in class. Like, that's not me. I didn't tip anybody off. Like, no, no. So back at 51, Seeger calls the guy's class instructor because this kid is like, no, I was in a welding class. Like, that's how I burned myself. Like nothing crazy happened. And the instructor confirms that he was there. So then they figure it out. They figure out it's actually the dad because he blames OFI for ruining the son's life. Like, you just made things a hell of a lot worse. Right. You just also ruined your life, so. Yeah, and, like, the kid's life was already pretty fucked. Now you just made it even worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, that's that's the that's that. But... We got some listener thoughts on this one. Uh, one of our listeners, Ricard, said that it's no secret that Severide's done many arson cases with Seeger this season. And to be honest, I'm getting sick of them. This isn't why I watch Fire. If I wanted a show where they solve cases all the time, I'd watch a procedural. I wonder why they're doing this. At first thought, I thought it was because the writers just don't know what to do with Sev. But maybe it's something Taylor asked for when renewing his contract. I don't know. I, I get the vibe that they just don't know what to do with Severide this season. And that worries me. Well, here's my thing that I don't really understand, right? Is it felt like a few episodes ago that they were setting up for like Seeger to try to maybe, I don't know if make a move is the right word on Severide, but like admit her feelings to him and then have this like kind of weird drama with like Severide and Stella and Seeger, like a triangle, but not a triangle, whatever. And I was like, okay, I don't like this, but okay. And now we're still in this weird limbo where, like, Stella has acknowledged that, like, she's not jealous of Seeger, but she does feel a little insecure about that and, Mm -hmm. you know, Severide working with her. And Severide's clearly, like, I don't 
think about Seeger in that way. I'm just into Stella. And then you've got Seeger who's like silently pining over Severide. And I just feel like that's what we've been doing for the last few weeks. And I'm just like, at this point, if you're going to go with Seeger, like the reason you keep bringing Seeger and Arson cases around is because you want to create some kind of relationship drama, just get on with it so we can move on. Like this weird middle ground of just like Seeger silently pining after Severide is just getting old. Like I'm just, I'm done with, like, I just... If you're going to create the drama, just go ahead and create the drama. Exactly. And if Severide keeps saying, I don't think of Seeger like that, then why do you have to keep reiterating it every week? Right. I there. I feel like Kelly's just been treading water this season and like not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, and, go, and also I feel bad too, because like we, you know, talk about the arson, how we're not really fans of it. And obviously we're definitely not fans of Seeger. And I feel weird. I feel kind of bad that it feels like in some ways that we're shitting on Andy Allo. And it obviously has nothing to do with Andy because mm-hmm. she's great. And, you know, she's a great actress and whatever. But like Seeger just, it just, I'm over it. I'm just, I'm so over it. I'm just, like I said, if you're trying to do something else with it, just go ahead and do it. Like just stop. Because this was basically another week where like, they solved an arson. Okay, cool. But like, she was just silently pining away after him and Stella's insecure. And it's just like, okay, how many weeks are we going to do this before something else actually happens to create the cha- like to create the conflict? At least just shut it down. If you want to give us another arson, great. But give us something where Severide's like, I am engaged to Stella. You need to pull it together. I don't think he's going to do that until she makes a move. Like I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's where they're going to go. I think that is the conflict, right? That like Seeger's going to say something about her feelings or try to make a move or whatever. And then Severide will obviously shut it down. But like, if that's what you're getting at, if that's what you're building up towards, just go ahead and do it already. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Cause like, it's going to be a non-event when it happens. If you keep building up to it like this. Well, and they're not really, I, I don't know. They're not really built. It seems like that's where they want to go, but they're not really building up to it either. So yeah. like, we, that's why I said we just kind of end up in this weird limbo where they just keep solving arsons and Stella still feels a little insecure. And it's just, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. And I, I, I worry that the whole reason that they've got Severi just kind of like in limbo right now is because they want to bolster up Stella, but like, you can have two spouses doing things with their life and excelling in them at the same time. I kind of wonder, and this would obviously be a question for Derek when he comes on in the spring, but I wonder if any of this is was even in their plans originally. Mm-hmm. And then when Miranda left for those five episodes, they obviously had to change, I'm sure, Severide's storyline a little bit too. Uh, of course obviously to make it work for his fiance being gone for five episodes and i wonder if this is all a result of that and potentially i hate the notion and i mean i say this with like zero not even just zero like absolutely no experience like as a tv writer just a wannabe one but like i hate when one character gets so tied down with another one that like the actions of one depend on the other and so, like, I would hate to think that Stella having to leave for those five episodes completely derailed Kelly's storyline for the whole season. Like, we just had the other episode, like, last week or two weeks ago, Severide was going to start helping Gala with squad stuff. Show us that. Yeah. Like, I hate when two characters are so 
intertwined that like they can't do anything apart. And I, the biggest example, Connor and Ava, how just because Ava had to go, Connor had to go. No. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense on some level just because like they are in a relationship. So obviously if one of them leaves, even just for a few episodes, then like it does create some sort of weird, you know, it does affect the other person's storyline just because of course they're in a relationship and now this other character's gone. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something I was literally, I hadn't really thought about it before us talking about it right now, but I'm now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, because if you think back where Severide was like when Stella left, he, you know, didn't know what was going on with Stella. He kind of threw himself into that church arson, mm-hmm. right? With the priest and Seeger and whatever. And that was kind of his way of like, not talking about the Stella issue is that he threw himself into the arson and now we're still here solving arsons and I don't know maybe maybe this was the plan all along but it's just something I was thinking about of like I wonder if they went that route if Stella doesn't leave it's a good question and I hate I hate hating on arson because we love arson Severide right we do it's just it's been a lot Mm mm-hmm it's been a lot and it's just I like it's maybe too much of something you know a good thing ruins it I don't know but like it'd just be nice to have a week where like Severide's not doing arson because it would be nice to have a week where Seeger wasn't like breathing down his neck all the time but we're not getting that because she's in the promo photos next week oh my god you're right yep which yes and this totally circles back to like I hate that like I want to like Andy Allo's character. She, I, I want to like her. I have not watched Upload yet. That is a show where I could watch and potentially like her. I want to yeah. do that, but like, can't. I just, I just finished Upload. Like, it's season two comes out. Well, today when you're listening to this, tomorrow when we're recording this, and so I'm really excited and I love her on that. Like, I think she's great. I, I really, I really enjoy her on that show. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I would because of the Seeker stuff, but I, I did end up really enjoying her on that show. And I can separate the fact that obviously I don't like her on Seeker on this, but I love her on Upload. But like, yeah, it's just like, ugh, Seeker. Yes. Seeker. But Seager. also just like, remember Miranda's Insta from a couple weeks ago, like, Wendy is a character, Andy is a real person, be kind to Andy. Of course, that's why, and that's why I said, like, it sucks that I feel like I hate on Seager because I do really like Andy, and I like Andy as an actress, and I like Andy on Upload. I love Andy on Upload, but, like, I just, I'm not feeling the Seager right now. Right. Right. Ever, really, ever, but, like, especially right now. I I can't blame her. The man is incredible. He's got the most unbelievable eyes, but also, like, he's engaged. Respect that back it up and I guess I'm like you said, I'm kind of just curious too like where are we going with this I don't know I just I have a lot of questions yeah yep anyway yep. moving into Brett and Violet Brett okay and Violet. okay so um one of my main other complaints of this episode was where the hell was Chief Hawkins <laughs> Like, yeah, this is the first uh, Jimmy list episode we've had, I think, since mid-season. I, I guess technically before mid-season because he was in the mid-season finale. But I think this was the first one. Um, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended. Where was he? Um, rude. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm kidding. We love Jimmy. You know that. But uh, yeah. So Brett and Violet, they walk into the firehouse and Violet mentions that she saw Evan again last night. And Brett's just like, oh, you're referring to the boss by his first name. Oh, my goodness. Violet adds this little tidbit of it. I need like just this is the kind of thing that you like you pause and you rewind and you're like, wait, say that again and then tell me more. Okay, so Violet says that she's like, I called him chief in bed once. (laughs) Hold the phone. Like, A, why didn't we see it? B, I want to hear every single detail. Like, also, C, that does not surprise me at all. That see, I don't know why that seems like something Vi- would happen to Violet, but it seems like something that would happen to Violet. Um, C, I need that fan fiction now. I'm sure somebody is writing it as we speak. I mean, there's that one that we know of. But that one. That one. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> that one. That yeah. one. Uh, I need that fan fiction. <laughs> Yeah, she totally like. I just, I'm, I'm like blushing thinking about it. But she probably like, I could just imagine her saying that, and then just be like, Chief Evan, Evan, Chief Hawkins, Hawkins, Evan. What, like, just that's what I'm saying. Like, of all characters, I could see it happening to Violet. It's definitely something Violet would that would happen to Violet. It would. It would. <laughs> I need the full story. Like I need the full story. So then she's like, Hey, how are things with you and Casey? And Brett's like, yeah, we have a FaceTime date later. Like, cool. So then later on Stella finishes whatever she was doing in that one scene. And she turns around and Brett's crying in another room to Violet. And so Stella goes in and she's just like, what the hell? Like what happened on your FaceTime date? And Brett's just like, I really miss him. Like that's all I miss him. Same. But Same. I, I hate change. So fair. So then we're at Molly's and we have some girl talk. We have some girl talk. So Stella mentions that Severide's off playing fire cop with Seeger. And Violet's like, does that bother you? And Stella's like, there's like a twinge of jealousy. And so Violet's like, well, you know, Evan works with all these women, but it just doesn't really bother me. And she's like, I guess I'm just like not really a jealous kind of person. (laughs) And Brett's like, do you not remember how you reacted to Kara at Blue Moon when she flirted with Gallo? And Violet's just like, oops like also something i noticed about this scene which also i love the girl talk like i love all the girl moment like girl friendship trio moments we've gotten in the last extending back to last week too like i love i've really enjoyed seeing those i think it's it's been really like a nice thing to see (laughs) um but also so i guess stella also now knows about Violet and Hawkins because she didn't know before at least that we knew of she did not know before this I thought she found out last week about Hawkins maybe not maybe I imagine that no because even when Violet is first telling Brett about it and like Stella's there in the locker room like Stella leaves to go I guess presumably try to take a shower and she tells Brett so like I didn't think we knew that Stella knew so like it, okay, but either way, regardless. So now Brett knows, Stella knows, Gallo knows. Like it's not really that much of a well kept secret anymore. If Gallo knows, Ritter knows, right? I would assume so. So that's four. And then of course he's working at fifty one next week. So like I guess that's going to be why you know they struggle to keep it a secret. But I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that I'm like okay, so Stella knows. Which I mean, fine, great, awesome. I love that they can talk openly. You know 
mm-hmm. Violet, Stella, and Brett, but like, I just thought it was interesting. I could see Ritter totally hyping her up about it. Like Gallo telling him and him being like, yeah, man, that sucks. And then going to Violet and being like, at a girl, good job. Yeah, because there was that moment back in, oh shit, I think it's episode four when Hawkins is at um, 51 for the time and he's like sitting at the table and they're looking at him through the window and Ritter's like, well, he is nice to look at. So it would make sense for Ritter to like also be hyping up Violet about the relationship. I love it so much. Yeah. Love it. So then in the ambo the next day, Violet is going on and on about something with science and Brett is just off in like la la land. She's just not even listening. So Violet asks her what's up and she's like, you know, I hope you don't, I hope you know, you don't have to bury your feelings about Casey. And she just says, she's like, I can't stop thinking about when Amelia and Scott were here. And Scott said that every moment with the person you love is precious. You just can't let it slip by. And she just says, she's like, I really need to take some real time off just a week, even a month, like just to go to Portland and be with Casey. So back at 51, Sylvie tells Stella and Violet in the back of the ammo. She's like, no, I'm definitely going to visit Casey. Like I need to go see him. And we have this. I just, I need to spend some actual time with Matt. Reconnect. When I hung up that FaceTime the other day, I just got hit with this wave of all the things that I miss about him. That warmth, you know, the way he could be so strong, but also so kind and he has that gift of making everyone feel like everything's going to be okay sylvie talking about casey and like all those things just made me like obviously i've missed him this whole time of course like it definitely even though it's gotten a lot the show's gotten a lot better in this back half like it still hasn't felt like the same no and so like just the way she was talking about that i was like oh but i miss him so much oh yeah. I mean, Casey was like the core of the show. Yeah. But Crazy. so just like hearing Brett say all that about him, it just, it made my heart hurt. Yeah. And I, I'm surprised, like, I'm surprised we're losing Kara this quickly. I thought we had a couple more episodes with her. Mm-mm. I didn't think we did only because, well, in whatever, I think it was TV line that broke the Caitlin mm-hmm. casting news. Um, they had said that she would be make her first appearance in an April episode. So like we're not mm-hmm. the, and at this point, I think we're gonna have a hiatus. And so I guess the next episode back after next week will be the first one of her. So oh yeah, would be my guess, but that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Again, if Kara is pregnant, which like, okay, let's be real, like all the camera angles, like it but we we don't have anything official. It's not confirmed, so we still have to say if. And obviously we want to respect her privacy. You know, mm-hmm. she has every right to keep it hidden. You know, we don't, she doesn't owe us anything, but it seems kind of obvious. She could be pregnant. She could. But we don't Most know. likely, but yeah. Yeah. But we don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. And it's very important to respect Kara's privacy. If she doesn't want us to know that we need to respect that. 100%. 100%. So Got some listener thoughts on this one. Uh, Megan R said, it'll be so sad not to see Sylvie on my screen every week for the time being, but hearing that Bretzi will be together in the same city again, even if we won't get to see it on screen, makes me happy. 
Yeah. And Daisha said, I nearly spit my drink across the room when Violet said she called Hawkins chief in bed once. I mean, Stella knows, Brett knows, Gala knows. Is it really still a secret? If I had to guess, everyone knows. Well, except for probably Cap. <laughs> Cap would be the one to blurt it and tell the whole firehouse. Right. Who would what? be the last to know? Sev. He wouldn't care. Yeah. Sev or Bowden. Or like Stella would tell Sev and Se- it'll, it would just go in one ear and out the other. And he wouldn't care. No, Sev would be like, who's Hawkins? <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, who? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, I guess I will say that promo for next week, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but like, it's very Hawkins focused. It's obvious. So I guess while Violet is looking for a replace, you know, while they're looking for Brett's floater you know replacement or whatever hawkins fills in while she that's my guess and i don't know but and of course we get like gallo jealous that hawkins is there it just keeps popping up there or whatever and then hawkins asked violet about like her relationship with gallo and hawkins seems to figure out that like gallo's not over violet and it looks like we're gonna have some tension there too bad yeah too bad. Gallo is a puppy dog. Yeah. It doesn't matter. As long as they don't break up, I don't care. Um, if something breaks up Hawkins and Violet, we riot. Yeah. Like I said, I just, and I've told you this, but it's like, okay, Jimmy's in Chicago. He's filming. I don't, like, at this point, I'm just like, he's still on the show. Like, whatever. It's you guys fine. were, this is how bad it is, is we're, like, living and dying by Jimmy's Insta story. So, like, yeah, he's it's like York it's yeah. like he posts he's like oh yeah i'm teaching at barry's in new york it's like okay cool he's oh, in new york he's and, not in chicago and then like the other day it was like oh yeah i'm teaching at barry's chicago i'm like okay he's in chicago it's fine <laughs> i'm just waiting for the deadline article that announces that he's gotten promoted to a series regular which at this point probably wouldn't be till the end of the season i we're can't manifesting imagine them. that shit okay we're manifesting I, yeah it. but like and then i don't have to worry whether he's in New York or Chicago. So exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like it, he was in Chicago just a couple days ago. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. He's Jimmy still he's filming right now. Okay. It's PD time. Stretch it out. Cause there's a lot of yelling and crying that's about to take place. <laughs> oh, this is going to be ugly. Just. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So PD. Now, hopefully by now you have listened to Bryna's interview with Patty and Marina. Mm-hmm. Um, for only 10 minutes, you got a lot of information. It was I tried, like, listen, I tried my darndest. 10 minutes, you think you're like, oh yeah. I mean, which we know because we've done a bunch of 10 minute interviews now that like 10 minutes actually isn't a lot of time. But you hear 10 minutes and you're like, oh yeah, I can, no problem. But 10 minutes goes by so fast. It does. And like- there were so many things I told you as soon as I was done and I was texting you about how it went. I was like, there's so many things I would have loved to like have a more full conversation about and that I would have like pushed them back on a little bit. Like I just, there were things I would have like had a conversation about, but I felt like I was like, okay, I can have them answer one question and we can talk about that for 10 minutes or we could try to get like five or six in and, you know, not really push back. So I went with that route, but yeah there's a lot I would have if you haven't listened to it by now like hit pause on this episode go listen to it and then come back um but like definitely come back because this is going to be like a big giant therapy session uh yeah okay so we'll just talk 
episode first and then we'll get into like yelling and screaming and crying you guys like not even kidding the the facetime the group facetime was just a mess like and we had already seen it and it yeah, was still a mess it was still a mess just it that was, was my fourth watch of the episode and it was still a mess okay so we pick up right where we left off. Remember last week ended with like that brief, like two seconds of Berzik happiness. And then they were like, oh, oopsies, the babysitter's dead. And <sighs> Michaela's gone. And Michaela's gone. Michaela's gone. As one does, because nobody on PD can ever be happy, especially not Kim Burgess. <sighs> so we pick up right where we left off. Gabby's dead. Michaela's gone. Burgess is like running through the apartment, trying to find her. And nope, nope, just... Two seconds into the episode and she's just like, Adam, Michaela's gone. Somebody took her. This is fine. This is fine. So they try to go after the offenders. They come up short. They pull security footage and they basically, they see these two offenders basically like dupe Gabby into opening the door with pizza and they force, like they basically force their way in and then they carry Michaela out. So she, this poor thing has been drugged. Like, that's like one of the first things we see is Burgess goes into a room and finds the syringe, which like, mm-hmm. okay, sick and twisted that they drug a seven-year-old, but, but it's almost better that they did because that way she like wakes up and doesn't remember anything instead of her seeing all of this fucked up shit that's happening. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's the only, it's the slight silver lining in all of it the teeniest of silver linings yeah like the 0.00001% of a silver lining (laughs) right like you drugged a seven-year-old you twisted sadistic fucks but also she didn't have to see all of that horribleness that was happening that's a fair point but doesn't take away from the point that they drugged a seven-year-old oh this poor girl this poor girl okay So finally, intelligence rolls up on the scene and like there's this moment when like Kim and Adam are in the building and Voight walks in and Voight like can't even offer any words of comfort. He just like touches Kim's arm and just looks at her like he can't even say anything like that was really striking because I was just like, oh, man, like Voight knows there's absolutely nothing he can say in this moment because he's been there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until I saw you tweet it last night, but yeah, it's a good point. He knows that nothing he says in that moment is going to matter because like there's nothing he can say that's going to comfort them. And he knows that because of Justin. Yeah. Do you want to know what I was thinking about in this moment? What? So you see Voight roll up and or, and Kevin roll up and then eventually even Platt rolls up. And I was like, where the fuck are Jay and Haley? <laughs> I was like, where the fuck are Jay and Haley? I wondered that too. I mean, eventually you do see them like in the next scene, like you do see them up in the apartment, but I was like, really? Like it just gets, I don't know. It just kind of further illustrated the point that I feel like there's no crawl. Like you have like Upstead and then like Berzik water. I'd like, we had the one year, one scene of Upwater, you know, in Tracy's episode, but like, we don't ever really get much cross. And I, I don't know. It just, I, that was all I was thinking. I was like, where the fuck are Jay and Haley? Everyone else is here. Where are they? You can't tell me they're not going to be. I was, that was what made me mad at this point. I would also pay good money for a one shot where Upstead has to babysit Michaela. Cause like neither one of them seems like they'd be good with kids. No, not at all. I'm sure that exists. I'm sure that it probably exists out there. If it does, please send it to us. Please, please. Because, like, neither of them, I mean, they're, they're good with kids on cases, but, like, hanging out with kids, I doubt it. Right. Like, when was 
the last time they hung out with kids who like who has a kid in their life exactly nobody yeah exactly i need that i need that okay so Kim is holding a shard of sea glass in her hand and she's like, at one, like she's in her apartment and like she's holding onto the sea glass so hard that like when she releases it you see that her hand is bleeding and nobody noticed she didn't even notice well no she eventually she opens it and then she realizes that like her hands all cut up right from mm-hmm. the glass but like her hand is like her palm is out and up and like mm-hmm. they're all in the apartment and like nobody notices that she like has her hand cut wide open Right. Well, because everybody's having these moments where like they do a good job with the camera of showing Kim just kind of like dissociating and just like how she's having this moment of like, is this fucking happening? And I think everybody was in that zone of just like, holy crap, this is a cop's kid. Like when it's not only just a cop's kid, it's our friend's kid. Yeah. And not just one friend's kid. It's two friends kid. Yeah. So then Adam is on another couch and he's kind of beating himself up over the whole Gabby situation. And he's just like, I really should have been more strict with her. Like, this is horrible. And Kim reassures him. Kim's like, no, this isn't your fault. Like, this is not your fault. She's our kid. We're her parents. She's our family. But like you and me, we're the police. We can get her back like you and me. And they have this like really sweet forehead touch moment. Which, like, you see that, and I think anytime Adam starts to, like, spin out, that's kind of become, like, a parallel with them. When Kevin got kidnapped, like, that was a really good moment um, that you saw. But this is, like, I don't know. The, I feel like this is all the energy Kim had to comfort Adam. Like, she was, like, it was kind of, like, I only have one of these in me, so I'm going to use it up now. it's interesting I see it now that you say it but that was not how I felt in the moment I I feel like I I feel like the way she looked at it was kind of like I'm comforting you in this moment and you should view that as a gift I don't know I I don't know. I mean, I get like, I obviously I'm mad at Kim for things later on, but mm-hmm. in this particular moment, I saw it as like, I'm reassuring you that it's not your fault, but like, I'm going to need you to do that for me too. And maybe I guess that you could see that as her being selfish, but like, that wasn't how I took it. Like, I just took it as like, okay, we're going to need each other in this moment. So like, mm-hmm. I got you now, but like, you're probably going to need me. I'm going to need you later. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. That's a better way to put it. But it's almost like, yeah, it was almost like preemptive that she was like, I'm going to need you later. Like, you need to keep it together. That's just the feeling I got. I mean, again, there was nothing from that scene that said that explicitly. But yeah, and and just just a friendly reminder, friendly reminder. These are our opinions, opinions. There are ways to disagree with people kindly. And I say that because I might say some things that people disagree with tonight. Mm -hmm. I have opinions and I've been rage texting them to Bryna all week. Okay. So they don't find any footage of this blue van outside of Michaela's school, but they do find footage of Theo out there. How does Theo show up to this girl's school and not think handing her stickers over like the recess fence is going to be weird. Yeah. I don't know how he thought that was a good idea, but yeah. Or why he thought after losing the court case that going back to her school was also a good idea. Right. I digress. Yeah. So intelligence rolls up to Theo's house with a search warrant, but he denies that he kidnapped Michaela, like did not kidnap her. 
This is the dumbest way, but also the most Adam way for Adam to injure himself. The whole mystery with the sling, Adam just charged through the door. Right. But I, I mean, and I think it's pretty much the common theory running around the internet is that obviously the arm sling was definitely a patty injury. And then they had to like write it in the show. Like that was just such a lame, they were like, cause the next scene or whatever, they're like, Void's like, you need to go to med. And he's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, don't take me off the case. And it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> and that was the justification for having the sling. And it was like, okay. Okay. I don't know. It was just that definitely was like a patty injury that they just like figured out a way to like put in the show yeah it's it's a totally dumb way to hurt yourself but it's also a very adam way to hurt yourself yes and it i think it accurately reflects like adam's mindset for this episode which is just kind of like tasmanian devil like tornado craziness yeah like i give no fucks on what i destroy i'm just looking for michaela yeah (laughs) adam smash yeah pretty much so they bring in Theo for questioning and he still denies the kidnapping. He's like, no, like I respect the court's decision, even though they made the wrong choice. You know, he's like, but I wouldn't do that. So Theo starts yelling at them through the two-way mirror. And this is when shit goes off the rails because Adam basically shrugs off Kim and Voight and like goes into the interrogation room to just scream at Theo, which like, I don't understand what Adam thinks this is helping. Okay. At this point, you're just like squawking at each other and nobody's getting their points across. They're just yelling to yell. This, I thought, I mean, I get it. It's their kid, right? I don't think really, honestly, I don't think Burgess or Adam should have been on the case from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like they just, that's a personal conflict of interest and mm-hmm. they shouldn't have been on the case, but whatever. Okay. I'll give you that. But Adam should have been taken off the case at this point. Immediately, Adam should Immediately. have been Immediately. And yeah. the fact that Voight just, like, he would have done it for other people, and he's done it even to Adam in other situations. But, like, this is way, like, a thousand times more extreme than any of those other ones. And, like, he doesn't take him off. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and plus the same way that Kim and, Kim and Adam need to be strong for each other, Voight needs to be strong for both of them. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to be the level head that says, we are going to get Michaela back and this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, take the two frazzled ones out of it so that he can do his job. Well, and he does kind of have that comment in the like next scene, which I'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. But like, he then doesn't keep his word because he's like, oh, he's like, if I think he's in the best interest of Michaela, I'll pull you off of it. And then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Adam should have been off the case at the, like right at this moment. Never mind the fact that he was injured. He probably should have been off the case like when he got hurt. Okay. Right. Well, and that's what he said. Like, and that's what he said. He's like, oh, you know, Voight's like, you need to go to med. And Adam's like, no, I don't want to be taken off the case. I'm not going to go to med. And it's just like, Voight's just like, fine. <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. Not how this goes. No. So Kevin comes in and he's like, hey, Theo's phone records show that he got a text with a video from a burner phone asking him for money for ransom in exchange for Michaela. So they're like, wait, he's not the offender. Like he's the victim. The it just it like shakes me to my core that this poor little girl is used as a pawn for the adults in her life. Yeah. And not for the first time either. No. Oh my God. So they want a million dollars by tomorrow afternoon, but no cop involvement or they will kill Michaela. So he's like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not working with you. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. So they go back to the bullpen. Voight lays it out for Burzik. He's like, don't fuck this up. I will take you off the case. And by take you off the case, I mean, I will pull a good win and not do shit about it. <sighs> 
So Jay pulls the video from Theo's phone. And I mean, it's heartbreaking. Like they, they get the video and like Michaela's just passed out. And sweet, sweet girl. Just like. Yeah. This poor like girl. Like you said, I didn't think about it, but at least she didn't have to like suffer. I mean, like obviously being drugged is suffering still, mm-hmm. right? Like I get that, but like it could have been worse. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how that sounds so terrible to say, but like, it could have been a lot worse. I would rather her wake up, look at Kim and say it's cold in here than her wake up, look at Kim and be like, I saw this happened. That happened. This person died. That person died. Or just, I mean, like even beyond just like what she witnessed to the fact that she didn't have to physically, I mean, like she didn't, she wasn't, a I mean, again, obviously I get it. Drugging is still a form of physical abuse, but like Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything else to her as far as we know. It's not like she was slapped across the face or, I mean, like there was, there's a hundred other million horrible things that I'm thinking about that happened during kidnappings. And luckily none of those things happened to Michaela. Right. Right. So Voight's like, yeah, run identifiers on the video, run the burner, get all that stuff, run a one block geofence on Theo's phone and then release him so he can start getting the money together. So Voight wants to release Theo. And Adam's like, what the fuck? Like, no, that's not how we ever do this. Like, why are we doing the drop? You never work with the kidnapper. And so Kim just tells him like, it's the backup plan. They're never going to use it because they're going to find her. Like, we're going to find our kid. Like, we're going to find her. It's just the backup plan. It's fine. So Jay gets the location for the burner phone. He and Haley pay the store a visit and they get the name of this guy, Reza. And like, this is the one scene where I get the vibe of like, Uncle Jay and Aunt Haley are not here for your shit. Yeah. Like, that was the one scene where I was like, okay, Uncle Jay and Aunt Haley are stepping up. (laughs) The one scene. The The one one scene. scene. Neither one of them is good with kids, okay? It's not their, it's just not their fault. I just, I get that vibe. Like, yeah. So they go to Reza's apartment. He basically turns around and like, he, he basically turns around and resells the burners. So like, it's cash only. He doesn't know who he sells them to. But the guys who bought that particular phone and like four other ones, they don't have names, but he confirms that the, like he basically confirms the description of the guys that took Michaela. It matches up. So they basically run the burner phone numbers and it's, they've been receiving calls from a state prison landline. And it's not just a state prison. It's the women's prison. It's Michaela's father's girlfriend. I kind of forgot about her, to be honest. I did too, but this was a great callback. Yeah, it worked out really well because it was not like, I honestly haven't gone back and watched that episode in a long time. Mm -hmm. And so like, I forgot all about that. And so I wouldn't have even thought, like if you're talking about like theories on like, okay, who kidnapped Michaela? Obviously my first thought was Theo because that just Mm -hmm. made the most sense. But like, I would have never thought about the Nia part of it. It like, it worked really well. Yeah, so- Remember on this one that Kim had lied to her because Adam was like, why is Nia involved? We made her a deal. They didn't, though, because Kim lied to her. Wasn't this the one where Kim was like, you killed a federal or you killed a postal employee and it's a federal offense? And like that got her to talk. I don't remember exactly. Like I said, I haven't watched this episode in a long time, but it was definitely. I don't remember exactly what it was. Basically, Kim told a lie that negated the whole deal. So she she really got life. And so. Voight and Adam and Kim, they all go to the prison to visit Nia and see if they can get anything out of her. Okay, first of all, why did Voight take Berzik? 
<laughs> that was a dumb move. That was such a dumb move. It was such a dumb move. Like that, that. What did they, what did Voight think it was going to do? Why even go if you're going to bring Adam and Kim? Right. That was I, a dumb move. I don't know. That was a really dumb move. So Nia doesn't give them anything. And this bullshit happens. See, what are you doing? What am I doing? Did you not hear her in there? Did you not just hear her? Michaela needs you to be calm. No, Michaela needs me to rip that woman's throat out. Michaela needs me to run through every single wall until I bring her home safe to us. Kim, Michaela does not need calm. Then you do it for me, Adam. You hold on because I need you to hold on. Do you understand? I need you to hold on. It's getting bad. Yeah. I just, again, Adam started almost another incident. Voight almost sidelined him. And then we got that moment that we just played. And it's just like, it started to get intense. And it's just like, A, A you shouldn't have taken Berzik. And B, at this point, boy, you really should have taken Berzik off the case. But I think Kim could have stayed. I think Kim had proven herself that she had the composure to stay on the case. Okay. I think Kim proved herself. Adam needed to go. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think you should have just taken them both off, but. But what? I just don't understand what Adam thinks he's doing. Like, you're not solving well, anything. He even just, I mean, he tells Kim, he's like, you know, because he's like, she Kim asked him, she's like, what are you doing? And Adam ends up being, he's like, no, Michaela needs me to rip this woman's throat out. Michaela needs me to run through every single wall until I bring her home safe. Like, you know, Michaela needs, like, that is what he thinks he's, he thinks he's doing what Michaela, you know, is going to find him Michaela. It's not. It's obviously the wrong approach, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so my first time watching this episode through the very first time, I was like a thousand percent at Team Adam. I was so pissed off at Kim and was completely on Adam's side. The second time rewatching this, though, I was able to take it. I was like, wow, Adam really did jeopardize this case in a big way. Like, yeah. in a really big way. But that's not to say that Kim gets off completely free either. We'll get there. But like, no, but I think up until this point, mm-hmm. no, like Adam definitely was just out of line. For sure. For sure. For sure. So I I, I got I had two big takeaways from this scene. And so and and yeah. So while one of them was that Adam really fucked up and he really did put this case in danger so many bajillion times. But the other one is that there's a Kim aspect of this that I'll circle back to. Okay. Um, later on down the line. So, Brenda, take it from here. Okay. So, basically, like I said, Adam fucked it up. They didn't get anything out of Nia. The warden en- ends up giving them everything they need, though. And according to the files, basically, Nia's been writing Michaela's dad every day. And according to those letters, Michaela's dad basically just needs money for protection inside or else he'll end up being killed, which is why they end up capping- kidnapping Michaela in exchange for the million dollars. So basically, it's not even because they care about Michaela. They want Michaela back. Yada, yada, yada. It's literally for money. I, I, my mind can't even like touch it's it. So it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. She's seven. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ugh. So they end up identifying the two guys who took Michaela because they're old friends of Nia's from the neighborhood and they go to their last known address um and of course they don't find either one of the offenders or michaela there of course so they're about a half hour out from the drop and adam's like 
okay, well, we should tell Theo to push it with them, yada, yada, yada. But Kim, and ultimately then Voight too, but like Kim, especially Kim doesn't like that idea. Okay, the best case scenario, we find Michaela, we bring her home safe. We're not gonna get played at a drop. We're out of time. She's my daughter. We're doing the drop. What'd you say? Oh, Kim, what are you doing? Yeah. But... The thing that pains me about this, though, I mean, yes, obviously her word choice, but like the look on Adam's face. I have a big problem with this. A big problem with this. Like, this is this is Adam's Achilles heel. This is his kill switch. He and that's that's the one thing you say to him that makes him completely shut down and unraveled. Right. It's like the button you push and then like the, the machine just turns off. It, like, it hurts him that badly. And Kim knows that. And she still says it. Yeah. I have such a problem with that. Like, that's not, I don't know. Like, that's not okay. That's not okay. And it, in the group FaceTime, uh, something that Jules from the locker room, the way she phrased it was perfect. She just said, she's like, Kim always has to go for the throat. Mm-hmm. But like, and- he's even like he's even told her this like he's 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 sucked up his pride he's done the work he's matured ever since season three to the point that now he's sharing his feelings with you when he's vulnerable he has sat her down and said like i'm afraid that you are just gonna leave and i'm going to lose you both and the fact that he can swallow his pride and do that and yet kim is still willing to just slap him down with that with that comment it's so hurtful like, I'm not saying that she's right to do this because I don't think she is, but I mm-hmm. think in her mind, the reason she does it is because she knows that Adam is just going to go 10. Like, like you said, it's a power, it's a tool. It's a power tool that she basically uses over him because mm-hmm. in her mind, she knows that that's the only way that's going to get him to stop and to back off is to use that thing that she has in her back pocket. It's, it's messed up. And I get it. I do get it. And I know it's a stressful situation. They're both completely frazzled, but it's going to hurt no up. matter when you say it. And it, it's it's going to hit him in the gut, like no matter when you say it. And so it, yeah. I just thought that was really low and really cruel of her. Yeah. But so, like you said, they're doing the drop. So Voight and Kim go to Theo and encourage him to work with them for the drop. And like Kim is ultimately the one that reasons with him. She's like, you know, listen, if you had one custody and she'd been taken from you, like I'd be here, I'd be asking you the same thing. Like, this is the only thing that, you know, is right for Michaela right now. So Theo agrees to work with them. And so they set up the drop in the middle of this like park thing. I don't know what it is, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Adam starts getting suspicious, especially because Theo gets a call from the kidnappers who tell him to just, you know, leave the money and walk away before seeing Michaela, which of course wasn't the plan. The plan was, you know, see, you know, see Michaela, you know, in exchange for the money, like get Michaela at the same time you give the money. And so of course the kidnappers send a video, but Adam's like, I don't think that's good enough. It's just a video file. Like we don't know anything, yada, yada, yada. And Boyd and Kim are both telling Adam to, like, stand down and let it play. Especially because, like, while Theo is on the phone with the kidnappers, Kevin is trying to track the burner phone's location so they can go after them. But so, you know, Theo starts feeling pressure from all the different sides. He ultimately drops the money and walks away. And, of course, like, one of the kidnappers comes by to pick it up without Michaela. 
without Michaela. So Adam being our lovable, impulsive, stupid, stupid, stupid Adam (laughs) spooks the guy and like ends up starting to chase after him and ultimately like shoots him and kills him before the kidnapper can say anything about Michaela's whereabouts. This is ridiculous. Like he, he shoots the guy and immediately is like, no, 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 bro. You just shot the gun. Like, like what, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Adam, that was not a good move. Like even just the fact, like, I get it. You're not happy about the drop. I get it. You are suspicious of the whole thing. I, I got it, Adam. I got it. But like, you did also just fuck up too, by like making the guy freak out and then running. Like that was not your best plan either. I didn't even realize it until just now. Like this is kind of a full circle moment. Cause remember when Atwater was missing and Antonio shot the guy and Rusig was like, you just killed Kevin. Like what the fuck did you just do? And he oh, pretty yeah. much just did that. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. I wasn't, there's one little touch in here that I did like is that when, when he's like suspicious of the drop, just the way he's like repeating to himself, he's like, I can't lose her. I can't lose her. This is just, I can't lose her. It's like, it shows his conviction, even though he's being a bonehead. Yeah. But so, you know, the rest of intelligence ends up rushing to the scene and Kim and Adam basically get in this huge fight about everything that just went down. Couldn't let him get away. I told you to stop. I told you we could have followed him. To where, Kim? To where? He was never going back to Michaela. She was never going to be here. They were going to take the money and run. That's what was always going to happen. And I told you that's what was going to happen, but you didn't listen to me. You didn't listen because she's your daughter, right? So you didn't listen. You don't listen to me. You never listen to me, Adam. You never listen to me, damn it. And now she's gone. Hey, she's gone. I'll be honest. This is really hard to watch. Yes. It It makes me, I mean, for a couple reasons, obviously. It hurts because it's very raw and it feels very real. And obviously I said this in my interview, but I think this whole episode just in general is some of Marina and Patty's like best work to date. Like I think they absolutely nail this episode. I really do. Mm -hmm. But it also, it hurts. The scene hurts because it's just Kim. I I mean, again, I think Adam fucked up too. Like I think Adam deserves some of the blame. Like he should not have chased the guy and shot him. That was the wrong move. I get that you don't agree with the drop, but that was the wrong move. But Kim's reaction here. It's so fucked up. So a lot of people might take this as an overreaction, but I just need, I want to put it out there. But like, did we just see domestic violence on PD? I mean, I guess technically, I don't know. It's, I don't. I don't, I don't even know how to, what to say after. Yeah. I know exactly. And that's exactly how I felt after the scene. I was like, what, what did we just see? That, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what, how to like talk about it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there is a side of it. There's an argument to be made. Like, no, that's ridiculous. You're being dramatic. It was a really high situation, like high stress, everything. There's another argument to be made that like physical, ab- 
abuse is physical abuse, but I don't want, I'm, I, I can't, I know I don't like that. Cause then I'm like, I, I feel like I'm like labeling Kim as like abusive and she's not at all. No, but I do think that her reaction was definitely more, there's something more there than just like being in the heat of the moment and overreacting and like pushing at him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, there is something more intense. Again, I don't, I, I agree. I obviously not abusive that cause that didn't even cross my mind until you texted me about that. But like, there is something more intentional there than just like the heat of the moment and like her being upset with him. Yeah. And this circles back to something you said, or something Patty said in the interview when you, when I don't even remember what you asked, but he basically said that like, it's an endless cycle of him doing things that he thinks is right. And it's just not being good enough for her. And that's not me saying like, oh, this is one of those things where she was just out of line. Oh, hell no. Adam fucked up and Adam fucked up big, but I, I think it's, I think it's just, it was, it was rage on both of their parts, right? Like he was super upset and angry that she said, oh, she's my daughter and threw that back in his face. And then she was just like fire of a thousand sons because, you know, he might've just completely jeopardized the fate of their kid. Yeah. And I think it's hard to say too, cause like, even I'm sure some people would argue well, it's like well, Kim's just feeling her emotions. Like what, how else is she supposed to react when your daughter's missing? And Adam may have just compromised, you know, the fact that they may never see Michaela again. Like I got it, but I also don't think that I I get it. Like it's a hard situation and I don't know how I would feel in that situation, but I don't think that excuses Kim pushing him and, you know, like, you said, like throwing it back in his face like that either. Not at all. Not at all. it's a situation and I'm, I'm chock full of bad metaphors. We all know that, but it was like, and the, the the way I posted to you, I was like, it's like, it's like Patty responded with a gun. And then Kim's response was with like a fucking bazooka. Like she fired back at him like too hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, I mean, I, I got, I felt the rage from that, like from, from Kim's part, like I felt the rage of like, I can't believe you just fucked this up. You might've like, we might not save our kid now because of what you just did. But I also got the vibe of like, you fucking do this every time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think there's just something about her words and obviously even just the pushing Adam itself that felt intentional. Like I'm sure it's 85% heat of the moment, like stress, you know, emotional, like all Mm -hmm. that stuff. But there's like 15% that feels intentional. But I think that's how she's looking at it, where she's like, she's going to look back at this in hindsight and be like, oh, I was just so stressed out. It was all heat of the moment. It wasn't all heat of the moment for Adam. Right. Like he absorbed a lot of what she threw at him and it was a big emotional blow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bad. So Haley ends up finding the kidnapper's burner phone like in the snow and it has a message from the other guy and he's just like, where's the money? You get the money, you know, whatever. So basically they have Platt ping that phone and hopes of obviously finding Michaela. So Platt starts pinging locations and basically like Burgess and Adam are at this point are like working together. They're racing to find the kidnapper and Michaela. So they end up in this like car lot garage thing of sorts, whatever that place is. And like, they ultimately, they find the kidnapper and they ultimately find Michaela. She's fine. Of course, she's obviously was just drugged. So she's not totally with it, but she is fine. Mm-hmm. 
And like, thank God, because like, I really didn't know going into this episode the first time I watched it, I really didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I really had no idea whether they were keeping Michaela or not. Mm -hmm. And like, they do have the moment where, like you said, she wakes up and she says something about like it being cold in there or whatever. And then she calls Kim mom. And it like, it is one of those moments where I definitely shed some tears. I was just so relieved that they found Michaela. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, And so they're about to take her to med to get checked out when Theo arrives to the scene. And Kim, and not that Kim's gone to the point to say like, we're family, we're going to hang out all this time or whatever. But like Kim does get to the point that like, Theo does care about Michaela and so he, she does have the moment where she's like you know you can come wait with us at the hospital before I take her home and like you can tell just even from the look on Theo's face that like that was like enough for him like that mm-hmm. that meant a lot to him yeah so the episode ends and Kim and Adam are in bed with Michaela like reading her bedtime story she's basically passed out already and so like when Kim's finished she like reaches for Adam's hand and he takes it for a second he takes it and then ultimately, like, he lets go of the hand and, like, leaves the room as Kim still sits with Michaela. And that's how the episode ends. But his face in that scene, like, they, I don't even think they zoom in on it, but you've got to pay attention to Adam's face. He is broken. He's yeah. not okay at all. Yeah. Well, you can just tell how conflicted it is, right? Like, obviously, of course, he's happy to be there in a sense that, like, he's happy to be there with Michaela and with Kim. I know that he's mad at Kim, but, like, He's happy to be there with the two people he loves most in this world and that they're safe and together again. And like, you can tell that in one sense that he is happy that that's happened. But on the other hand, you could tell how broken he is and how hurt he's been by everything that's happened over the last 24 to 48 hours, however long it's actually been. And yeah, like just the, you can see the conflict in his eyes of like the happiness and also the sadness. And this is where I get so mad because- Yes, he did a lot to jeopardize the investigation. He fucked up. I'm not saying he didn't fuck up, but I, like, especially after this episode, one of the things I was like rage texting you at one point, and again, rage texting, keyword being rage, is like, I probably didn't mean all of it. At one point I was like, dude, Kim doesn't love Adam. She just says she does. Like, I'm so over it because Adam is broken in this moment. He's not okay. He clearly needs somebody to ask, how are you? Are you okay? Right? He gets up and leaves. Kim does not give a fuck. No. Well, the thing that gets me is that, like, she thinks that... I I get it. And this kind of goes back to our point earlier that, like, Kim thinks... From Kim's perspective, she thinks that everything she did and said was from the heat of the moment. She thinks that just by taking his hand that it's all... Like, that's her apology. That's all going to be okay. And obviously, I, I was kind of glad that Adam walked out because that shows that, like, no, like... I get it that it was also heat of the moment, but like I've been saying this whole time, like part of it was intentional. And that's how Adam saw it is that like Kim was intentionally doing this to hurt him. And so Adam did the right thing. And is like, no, like I'm not okay. I'm not, we're not okay. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that he walked out. I am too. Honestly, I, I, I wish he hadn't even taken her hand. Yeah. I mean, I think it was important for him to take her hand because right. Like at the end of the day, I think, even aside from how Adam's feeling, like Kim and Michaela are his family. And that I think it was important for him to take his hand to show like, look, I'm mad at you. And like, we're not okay. Like you and I personally are not okay. But at the end of the day, I still think if something were to happen, like right now in the moment where like how Adam is currently feeling, I think if something were to happen to Kim that like put her in some kind of like 
physical danger or whatever. Like Adam would put all of it aside and like be there for her. You know, I, I still think that. So like, I think it was important for him to take her hand to show like, no, like, listen, like I'm still here for, you know, as family, we are still family, but I cannot be here right now. Like physically, I cannot be here anymore right now. See, I started looking at the bigger picture here. Adam, like, at the end of the day, what is Adam getting out of this relationship? He gets Michaela, really. Because the reason that I rage texted Bryna this week, and I just keep saying rage texted so you don't come for me and be like, how the hell does she think that Kim doesn't love Adam like this bitch? No, no. But like, she it's 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 like it's it's convenience for her right like I don't like I when she hurts Adam she hurts him so hard that it's just very it it seems like Adam is Adam's convenient for her that instead of her being like you're here because I love you you're here because we're gonna build this awesome life together she's like no you're here because I, I you're here because it's easier for me to have another person especially now that the babysitter's dead like it's convenience and so him not like fitting that mold kind of like she he's like i he he's kind of a doormat sometimes and she just steps all over him and she doesn't care yeah i think that's true and i think we've seen that obviously time and time again basically since they had their heat of the moment that led to the baby you know to mm-hmm. the baby like we've seen it time and time again. Like Adam has poured her his heart out to her, and she's just like not really shown that she care. I mean, she cares. I you know I I don't I do think she cares about Adam, but like did they? She doesn't. We haven't heard her say that she loves him or you know whatever. Like no. she cares about him. I I don't think you can deny. Like she cares about him, of course, but like anything beyond just familial caring feelings and like I you know definitely not but she needs to ask herself in what way does she care for him does she care for him the same way she cares about like upstead but you're like yeah they're my friends but okay no I think it's more than that I do think it's more than that but it is an interesting point when you go back to like what well what does Adam really get out of this relationship I mean he gets Michaela but he gets the constant feeling that he's never going to be good enough. Yeah. And, and on top of that, if you really think about it, he is never going to be her number one. She is always going to find something to put ahead of Adam, whether it be the job, whether it be Michaela, she's always going to find something to put in front of him. Well, and you know, what's interesting. And I haven't really thought about this, but like, it hasn't always been like that. Right. Like there was a time in the first couple of seasons where I think she obviously she she was she was so in love with him Mm -hmm. right like and she she wanted to get married to him but then Rowan fucked it up with the push test and yada that's a whole different conversation Mm -hmm. but like she would have put him first back then I feel like early seasons one through three Kim Mm -hmm. would have put Adam first yeah and she did I mean like there were times where you know she was accused of or accused is a little bit of a strong word but like of kind of she you know jeopardized her career you know her you know moving up to intelligence from the beat cop for mm-hmm. her relationship with adam so like yeah. there was a time where she did that but now now that we're you know nine seasons in i 
definitely don't think that's the case. It's not. And I, I get it. Like he really hurt you with the whole marriage thing in season three. I get that. But I mean, that was a long time ago now. So long ago. And you were babies compared to where you are now in life. Right. And I feel like it's one of those things where like, she still wants to blame him for obviously, like you just said, like season three, Adam, Mm -hmm. and is continually seeing him as season three, Adam, Mm -hmm. but like, he's changed and i i hate people that don't like you know constantly or that don't recognize that people can change and like you have to at some point either give them the benefit of the doubt and like being like okay i get it i you're not that person anymore but i have to like see how you've changed Mm -hmm. or not and just admit that you're not capable of that and like just otherwise then just let it go but i don't know it just gets to a point where after this episode I was just so mad that I was just like Adam needs to cut his losses okay he like he needs to stop feeling like a punching bag and he needs to like he needs to stop being kicked while he's down right now again again he fucked up the case he fucked up the case I recognize that what he did was not okay he should have been kicked off the case in like the first commercial break but The way Kim struck back was overkill. Agree. And I don't feel like Adam needs to cut his losses. It's just how I felt in the moment when the episode was finished. But I think Adam really does need to sit down and ask himself, what is he getting out of this relationship other than the feeling that he's not good enough? Yeah. I don't know. But also Jules from the locker room, she made a good tweet the other night that pretty much like presented a good point. She was like, you know, uh, not only is Kim mad at Adam, but Adam is probably so mad at himself. Of course he is. I mean, he was mad at himself before anything really even happened. Yeah. I mean, even like literally, I mean, from the mo- like from the first, he was mad at himself because he was like, he blamed himself for Gabby. You know, he was like, Gabby was too trusting. And I, you know, told her, I, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like he was mad at himself from literally like pretty much the first moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and this goes back to like, we, we always forget that Adam, Kim suffers these traumas. Yes. But Adam suffers them too. And, you know, we, we kind of forgot about that when the miscarriage happened that, you know, Adam suffered a loss too, Mm -hmm. but like, this was traumatic for him too. Yeah. Yeah. It's ugly. It's really, really bad. And I swear to God, if either Patty or Marina refers to it as complicated one more time, like I'm going to scream. <laughs> when I listened to your interview and Patty was like, it's complicated. I was like, stop saying that. <laughs> like, I know it's a lot more than complicated. It's beyond complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic because, okay, so there was, and we'll get to the listener thoughts in a second, but I did want to bring this up because obviously Patty and Marina did a bunch of press, mm-hmm. but there was one interview that, Gwen Segan did with Give Me My Remote, which I thought, you know, about kind of what's next for Berzik. Um, and she also used the word complicated. She said the adjustment is complicated, uh, which I was like, it's beyond complicated, but okay. This is she, the new version of asking what it's like to film in Chicago. <laughs> she said this case brought a lot of emotion and stress up for both of them and also highlighted a lot of difficulties already embedded their relationship, obviously. 
And she said, it's going to be a rocky process in the aftermath. Um, she said, you know, they're in a fragile pace in the inter- immediate aftermath. Michaela, of course, is the priority and both Burgess and Ruzik are trying their best. They love each other and work well as co-parents, but the situation has definitely cracked some of that foundation. But they don't um, work well as co-parents. And then it says, which means those serious conversations the former couple has put off might not be really tabled for much longer. Things will come to a head, Segan teased, and they will need to hash out the emotional and logistical fallout for their family. I mean, which, I mean, yeah. And then there is something else I want, if we're talking about like what's next for Berzik, mm-hmm. there was this thing that Patty and Marina accidentally whatever brought up in my interview with them about mm-hmm. when I was asking them I think it was about like you know where they stand romantically or whatever and Marina made a comment about or no I think at because Patty was talking about like like you just said about the fact that um like basically he feels like he's a you know Adam feels like he's fucking up everything and you know isn't good enough for her he's even though he's trying his best and then marina says something about like oh well you know they kind of give you the chance to like basically the fact that it seems like at least what i took from their hush hush conversation tease or whatever is that like they're gonna give adam a chance to like for another girl to be interested and then he i guess has to make a decision based on that is the vibe I got. If you, I, did you read that? That was what I that's, would have taken from that. That's what it sounded like. Because they I, even say a name and I couldn't figure out, is that the actor's name? I tried Googling to see, and like, is that the actress or is that just the character name? Is that, I, you know. That's what it sounded like. Which is interesting. And I mean, that's what we were, that's what we've been saying for so long that like, something needed to happen to adam whether adam gets hurt physically or adam you know like we needed to see something on adam's side Mm -hmm. for like to really kind of figure out like how does kim feel about it where does adam really stand like you know if he was ever presented with the chance to go on a date like what do you you know is he just so in love with kim that he would say no does he consider it whatever like this is i think kind of what we've been wanting but it almost feels like after this episode like like Gwen said like the foundation has been cracked that I almost wonder if too much damage like if it's kind of too late their foundation has always been cracked no but what I'm saying is that like it's cracked even further obviously after this episode but like so is this thing if this is this dilemma that we've kind of been wanting for a while now coming too late yeah and it's interesting, like the the sort of spoiler that like they accidentally teased, like that, you know, you referenced it as like Adam's going to have to make a choice, but I don't think he would choose Kim as much as he would choose Michaela over that person. You don't think he, see, I think he would think about it in his, in terms of Kim. I mean, I'm sure Michaela is a factor, but I don't think he says, no, I can't date you because I of Michaela. I think I think he's in a stay happy for the kid situation. I don't know. I just I'm sure Michaela makes ways a big part, but like Patty was even saying in my interview with him, like he's just he's always been in love with Kim, mm-hmm. and I think he really has to come to terms with like, is something going to happen there? Is it worth you know putting off other romantic partnerships? You know, like I you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. Big but, questions. Big, big yeah. questions. So, of course, you guys all had lots and lots and lots and lots to say. about So many feels. Our inbox, like, lit up the minute the show ended. Yeah. Um, so, Megan R. said, Voight yelling at Adam about him barging into the interrogation room is very hypocritical coming for him. I understand why he did it, but it hasn't stopped anyone else, including him before. So, why is it an issue now? Fair. Yeah, fair, but I also think it is a slightly different situation. Well, mm-hmm. I think it is a little hypocritical when you think about how Voight reacted when Justin was kidnapped. I think that's mm-hmm. the only situation you can compare it to because, and maybe actually Antonio, so many kids of these people have been kidnapped and like tortured. So there actually are a few cup situations because I was going to say you could also compare it to Antonio when both, um, both Diego kids. and Ava were kidnapped. So but I don't think you, it, I don't think it's fair to say like the way that Voight reacts in an interrogation room with like on a normal day mm-hmm. is the same way, you know, because it's different, right? Like it's different. You react different when it's your family and when it's personal. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that it was correct because obviously I definitely disagree. I think Adam's behavior was way out of line and he should have been pulled off the case immediately. Mm-hmm. But I think it is different when it's the personal stuff, you know, versus like just the way someone reacts in the interrogation room on a normal Tuesday. I have a question, not like adjacent, but not completely relevant that I meant to bring up earlier. Okay. So Michaela has been kidnapped. Now she's back. That's great. Do they move? (laughs) Like, do they move buildings or do they just move upstairs to the new apartment they've been talking about? They should probably consider moving. Yeah, probably. And not just upstairs, like apartment buildings. Maybe move to a different building. Yeah. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Need to consider. Yeah. So, sorry, I definitely took a bite of food right at the wrong time. Um, Okay. Daisha said, holy shit, this episode made me crazy. I'm amazed I have any fingernails left to bite. I wanted to yell at my TV louder than I was, but couldn't because I was with my kids. I can't believe Kim said she's my daughter. We're doing the drop. Hello. You just said she was our kid in the last episode. I get that you're pissed, but Adam is not the enemy. Honestly, I'm surprised the Voight let them stay on the case. Both of them were too emotionally charged. Having him join her at the hospital, though, made things better. And reading that bedtime story to Michaela at the end hit me right in the feels. Yeah. Um, Carly S said, I feel like we have to start a hashtag again, like Berzik be happy challenge 2022. Like we did for Atwater and a love interest at this point, because, oh, why can't they be happy? It's fair. It's fair. Emily P said, I thought it ended with Kim and Adam holding hands. She initiated it at first as a way that as they were like apologizing to each other and united as a family. But then all these interviews came out and I listened to your interview with Patty and Marina. So this is the end of them. I'm so confused. If they wanted it to be over, why have Adam come back to Kim's? Why not show him leaving the apartment? Makes no sense that the show has to rely on post-interviews to tell the story. I just assumed he was emotional and going into another room while Kim watched Michaela sleep. Now it seems like this is the beginning of, once again, more drama for Berzik. Or really just continued drama. It never really ends. It just continues. That was not the end for Berzik. Not the end. No, but I do think it was more than just him leaving because he was tired you know like that was definitely a choice of like no adam's doing this because he's pissed and like he's leaving intentionally like he's not just like walking out the door because he's tired well he's pissed and he's so upset i mean it was traumatic for him too right but my point is that like 
he that was not just like that was a moment like that was an intentional mm-hmm. him getting up and leaving not just like oh i'm tired i'm going back to my couch yeah going back um, to my couch oh god another full circle thing it's like al living in the garage and now rusik lives on the couch yeah oh my gosh oh my gosh uh, and then she also said in these interviews, Patty's always saying how he's not good enough for Kim and makes mistakes. I totally disagree. He steps up time and time again. Why doesn't Marina ever compliment him? Marina meeting Kim. She can say yes. He may not be perfect always, but he, he uh, but if he does love and care for Kim and Michaela, you see his love every episode. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I would have probably pushed back on that because I definitely disagreed. But again, yeah. 10 minutes is 10 minutes. I didn't have time for that. Yeah. Oh, it goes so fast. It really does. Especially with Patty. He's such a talker. Yeah. Um, Allison S said, I like that Kim was the strong one. Grounding Adam when he went off half cocked, especially in the beginning. But Kim is the one who can truly hurt him. She needs to be more aware of his feelings. I get that she's a mother whose kid is missing, but he's also a father. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing, too, is that, like, she, like, there's nothing official that makes Michaela Adam's kid. Yeah. And so Adam's terrified. And of course he's terrified. Yeah. Ugh. It hurts. It hurts. So Haley G said, it's never been about what's best for Michaela. It's always been about what's best for Kim. Kim's the only one who hasn't learned that yet. At some point she needs a wake up call. I mean, it's fair. It's mm-hmm. harsh, but it's fair. She said, I have no grace left for Kim. She's used up all of it. It's her daughter, the way it was her baby back in season seven, when it actually was his baby too, and she just didn't care. She clearly doesn't want a family with him. Adam should just move on. Good luck on your own, Kim. Glad you got a happy ending. I don't disagree with this. Yeah. Yeah. Adam needs to ask himself the big questions. Like, do you want a family? Do you want to get married and, and all of this stuff? You may not have that future with Kim. Something I'm curious about, and I'm going to pose this now also because I meant to actually message Haley about this because I know how big of a bursic shipper Haley is and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to pose it to you too because I'm curious. So say if it doesn't even happen this season, say like season 10, like Berzik does finally like get together, like get their shit together, like Mm -hmm. ends up together, you know, in a romantic way, whatever. Are we happy now? Like, are we going to be ecstatic when they get back together? Like, are we going to be like, finally, like this is all what we've been waiting for whatever. Like, I think I'll be happy if they ever get back together romantically, just because it's what we've been wanting for so long, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it'll feel as joyous maybe as after kind of all the shit they've been through and especially after this as it would have been like a season or two ago it's hard to say because we don't know what would happen in the build-up to that if you were to ask me that question right now I'd be like I'd be happy but I'd also be like Adam you know yeah don't be afraid to like use your voice uh but that, that's without saying, like, we don't know what would happen in the buildup. It's the same way how, like, when Tracy first joined and we were like, ew, upset. And then we saw the slow burn and now we're like, best thing ever. Yeah, but I, th- I think this is a little different. I don't know. I think, I think, well, I think I would probably still be really excited that they finally got their shit together and mm-hmm. made it work and, you know, found their way back to each other. I don't know if I could forget 
you know, this. because this is part of the buildup, right? Like it may not be part of the initial buildup to them getting back together. Like, you know, the arc that gets mm-hmm. them back together, but this is part of, it's part of their story as a couple and it's part of their buildup, you know, back to being a couple. And so I don't know, like, I don't think it would ever feel the same. I think I'll still be excited, but I, you know, it was just something I've been thinking about the last couple of days of like, well, when, especially after watching this episode of like, well, when they do get back together, mm-hmm. will I feel the same way? I don't know. If they even do. I mean, like you just said, like they're building back up to being a couple. They've been building up for seven seasons now. Right. And I don't think right now they are building necessarily back up to being a couple. I was just making an, like I said, I just, I don't know. I was just like said, it's something I've been thinking about of like when they get back together, will I be as excited as I probably would have been a season or two ago? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then this comment came from just in our Facebook group, but I, like you said, I kind of, I, I, I want, it's something similar to what you said earlier, but I did want to just bring it up. I thought it was interesting what they need to decide. She said, what they need to decide once for all is Adam role in Michaela's life is he equal to Kim. If so, then that needs to be shown legally and all decisions have to be made by the both of them. If he isn't, then they need to stop with this, our daughter stuff because it's blurring lies and it's not fair to anyone. It's not. Yeah. And uh, not fair to anyone is a good point. Cause it's not fair to Adam and it's not fair to Michaela. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. so bad oh my god i'm trying to think if there's any way for it to be like legally official without kim and adam getting married there's got to be something well i'm sure you can I, I mean i don't know like i don't know anything about adoption laws but like i'm sure you could why can't you legally adopt without being married because like why couldn't they both have legally adopted her without being married The court system is very patriarchal and they prefer to have like a married couple, but I also have been out of the game for a decade, so I could be completely wrong. But I mean, it's a good question. It's a good question. Like, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like people get to like, just because they're married, you know, people get married and then divorced and like still parent kids perfectly fine that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why you have to be married to adopt. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I've never looked into adoption laws, but like, mm-hmm. it seems stupid if they can't both legally adopt her and not be married. Right. I don't see what the problem with that is, but anyway. So Jamie P said, I'm sure it's going to be a hot topic for everyone, but the birds of communication or lack thereof has me twisted into knots. Should I be upset at Kim for continually boxing Adam out? But also why can't Adam ever just listen and trust Kim? But he does, but he does. That's, that's what kills me. He does listen and he does trust her. It's just sometimes he does dumb shit. I don't know. Uh, She seemed to have the cooler head. Voight even backed her plan. And Adam has a history of screwing up money drops, C614, but they couldn't get on the same page. What will it take for them to meet in the middle? Because there's literal years of baggage that continue to show that these two, for whatever reason, just can't. Yeah. And that's another point too, that like at this point, like you said, and like what Jamie just kind of said, it's been so many years that like, I just, even when they get back, I'm back on this, like, if they ever get back together point that like, there's, 
I, I don't even know. Like, it'd be one thing if you had said, like, okay, yeah, they were broken up for, like, season four and five and then got back together in six and then broke up again. You know, like, if they just kind of had a cycle of, like, together, breaking up, together, breaking up. But they literally haven't been together romantically in seven, six years. Yep. Yep. Like, they- how do I just, I, how do you get back to that point? I just... I, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore, but like, no, I get it. Like they, they do the friends with benefits things, but they haven't been like a full on legit couple since season three. Right. So like, how do you eventually end up like, that's a lot of time to be apart and then end up back together, regardless of all the baggage that's there mm-hmm. with a miscarriage and an adoption and then a kidnapping and, you know, yada, 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 all the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like these are our fictional friends, but I've still been so like worked up about it in the past couple of days. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to take a step back and it's just like, okay, this is all fiction. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I get it. We care, but like, you know, take a step back. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm frustrated for Adam. I'm not frustrated for Kim, even though I fully recognize that you know, she was being a mom. She was stressed out. It's the worst nightmare ever. Her kid got kidnapped. I feel bad for Adam. I don't feel bad for Kim. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Lots of emotions about the, I mean, it's, it's a hard one. Yeah. It's a really, really hard one. But then of course the thing that like also kind of annoys me about this is (laughs) so like, it's going to be like three, it's going to be a long time before we see this brought up again. Oh yeah. Because the way like next week's avoiding that or boy in anna episode mm-hmm. and then you know it's just like we won't get any real resolution for like weeks <laughs> does, okay so let me just ask you this then <laughs> yes or no does anna die next week next week yeah no only that's the that's only it. way this is headed right yes but i want to say no i'd have to go back and look at the episode description but was it when they were filming stuff recently for the bakery, was that for this episode or for was that for a different episode? I don't remember. I don't remember either. And so, like, my only gut is, like, if they were filming stuff technically for episodes after, then obviously no. But I do think eventually she dies. I just don't know if it's next week or, like, closer to the finale. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Any other notes on PD? That was a doozy of an episode. That's all I'm going to say. We'll just leave it at oh, that. Oh, I will say there was one tiny moment that I loved. I loved that, like, the way Kevin was there for them very silently throughout the episode. I did love that. Yeah. I loved the moment when, like, she thought that Michaela was in the bed and she wasn't. And so she just, like, put her head down on the mattress and, like, Kevin just put a hand on her back. Yeah, that was great. Besties. Or life. That's about all I've got otherwise. So. Yeah. So that's about all we've got. Uh, as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Uh, yeah. Email us about really anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. We watch other stuff. We mostly, I mean, we, we do other stuff aside from Watch One Chicago. I mainly just work. <laughs> um, but yeah, email us anytime about anything. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. Yes, a normal schedule. So as long as there's new episodes of the show, there will be new episodes of the pod. And we'll figure some things out for 
hiatus, however long this next one is going to be. I know we owe you a bonus episode or two. So yeah, we'll get on that. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to listen to the bonus episodes, definitely check our Patreon page, check the link in our socials, all that good stuff. And yeah, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.